You're listening to the ESO Network, your station for all things geek. Cast, your ultimate answer for fandom, geekiness, and everything. As always, I am your host, Nathan, and we have another great episode lined up for you where we go back to the movies to talk about Ant-Man and the Wasp, Quantumania. That's right, we're starting Phase 5 now, but before we do that, let's meet our cast for this week. So, starting off, he's come up the elevator from Level 7, and that is JD. How are you doing, JD? I have Level 9 access now. Oh. You all can't mess with me. <laughs> it's always a pleasure to be here as the resident mcu movie defender i'm i'm happy to be a part of this so did uh did kevin feige himself bestow the level nine uh clearance on you uh the kevin program actually yes uh did do that (laughs) nice nice uh so uh yeah uh, anything new and exciting going on for you since the last time uh you were on the show no uh nothing actually <laughs> uh no new projects mm-hmm. um podcast is still good no nothing okay okay well it's good to have you back on the show good to be here all right and in this corner jd's nemesis <laughs> who will who will who will fight him about things and that is daviar how are you doing daviar <laughs> I, I love that this is our titles here. And yes, I am Daviar, the miserable Marvel movie gourd, longing for the days of phase one, two, and three, uh, and suffering through four. <laughs> so yes, but I'll... but even though we're on opposite sides of the ring, I will forever love JD. Oh, that's good. All right, so Daviar, anything new and exciting going on for you? Living life up here in Canada at the Stratford Festival. Uh, these... I forget what year this is for the theater, but yeah, season 23 uh, is kicking off uh, in April. So yeah, so just doing shows in the winter season of Canada, getting snowed in and having fun. So uh, yeah, life's a roll right now. Oh, so are you only in Canada during the winter? Well, uh, no, I, 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 I'm here extensively for the time okay. being, but yes, it, it, it is. The winter is, is, is the suffrage, me being a Georgia boy native. So yes, yes. Hey, I'm a Floridian in Wisconsin. Oh, so believe God. me, I understand. Oh God. Yeah. 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 Where the theater is, is actually called the snow belt. And nobody <laughs> told me that before I moved here. Mm. So yeah. So I'm, I'm having a lot of fun, y'all. So are you in Toronto? <laughs> Right outside of Toronto. I'm about an hour or so outside of Toronto. Oh, okay. Yeah, okay. In the town of Stratford. Oh, yes. oh, so actually Stratford. So it's not named yeah, after the Shakespeare's birthplace. It is actually a city oh, in Canada no. called Stratford. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, that city was probably named after Shakespeare's birthplace, indeed, but indeed. like I thought the theater was named after Sha- Okay. I, I got it. I got no, it. No, no, but it's okay because the city of Stratford borders on the city of Shakespeare, Ontario. So I'm in a Shakespearean <laughs> mecca. I right sense a the theme. Yeah, 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 yeah. You will be correct. Yes. 
an auspicious grouping. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Well, that's really cool. Yeah. Um, it's funny because I just released the Book of Boba Fett episode, which was another one that you and JD both appeared on. That one we agreed ah! on, though. Uh, yeah, that's you did, right. You did agree on that one. Yeah. Yes. Yes. But. Yes. Um, but uh but yeah because you were talking about that you were talking about all the like wedding proposals you were getting because you lived in canada now so yeah <laughs> <laughs> you... everyone wanted to get out yes, yes. I'm, still, I'm still available everyone I'm still available. are you playing that field what's that are you playing that field oh yeah 100 percent. yeah okay. i'm taking applications please, please of course I am. Oh, great all right well it's good to have you back on the show dabbyr thank you all right, and next up, he is the maestro of the marquee himself, and that is Mark Finn. Hello, hello, hello. <laughs> so how are you doing, Mark? I'm doing great. Uh, I got the world on a string, man. I'm sitting on a rainbow. All right. Well, yeah, what's what's new and exciting coming up for you? Well, the, the, the I have impending nuptials. Uh, I'm getting married uh, on April 1st this year. Congratulations. Uh, to my high school sweetheart. Thank you. I'm excited about this. Uh, we're going to destination wedding. We're going to Vegas, baby. Mm -hmm. And we're going to get married at the Graceland Wedding Chapel. Uh, and the wedding will be broadcast on the YouTube. Uh, mm -hmm. uh, and I think also the Facebook. For those mm -hmm. of you that are uh, uh, subscribers of those uh, premier uh, uh, sources, uh, two thirty uh, April first uh, on their on their page. So uh, if you want to if you want to see us do the deed with Elvis, uh, this is the this is your opportunity to to watch uh, a wedding that does not involve a shotgun at the at the Graceland Wedding Chapel. I'm very excited about that. So yeah, that is uh, very oh. cool. The other thing is, is I just had a Kickstarter fund. Mm. Uh, the the biggest Kickstarter uh, of Zine Quest for me ever. Uh, it, it funded for four issues of um, of a of a Zine I've been working on uh, for for several years now, and I'm really really excited about it. It was touch and go up until like the last forty eight hours, and then. Mm you know, I went over. So I'm excited. Uh, and this, what this means is that I'm, I'm committed for the next year and I'm going to be writing pretty much nonstop through it. So, uh, this, this, and this is good because this keeps me, you know, off the street corners, you know, singing doo-wop with the hooligans that keeps me out of the pool halls. You know, they know where <laughs> I'm going to be because I can't be over there. So yeah, it's nice. I'm nice. just imagining you like uh, hanging with the hooligans in small town Texas, uh, <laughs> and what that would look like. Well, it's a it's a really small town in North Texas, so everybody knows who the hooligans are, and mm. so I would stick out like a sore thumb. That's like there's only supposed to be four of you. <laughs> He's so got to go. It's you with like a skateboard under your arm. And... <laughs> right. I've got the uh, I've got the anarchy sign that i've that i've put on the jacket myself with shoe polish you know because yeah. uh because i won't pay big markers you know any of their money I, everything i do is 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 street level baby yeah now there's no hooligans here <laughs> there's no hooligans there's there's two kids on a bmx bike uh and they and they do those front wheelies and everybody's like they should slow down <laughs> you know they're like that 
Well, that's good that you got a steady writing gig for a while. And so, uh, yeah, congratulations I'm very excited, on that and, too. And I get to throw a lot of shade at uh, Wizards of the Coast for uh, Dungeons and Dragons. So that's always <laughs> yeah. fun. I, I think everyone is throwing shade at Wizards of the Coast for one reason or another right now. It's it's the time oh, it's, for it. It's just one reason. Right, <laughs> I know. What a, what a perfectly a rational one. company they are. <laughs> so stable. So 10 out of 10, no notes. I've never, ever seen a company so eager in their 40 plus years of exist 50 years of existence so eager to snatch victory uh snatch defeat out of the jaws of victory they are really good at it i mean they cannot cope with with being successful i've never seen i've never seen a, a company willfully uh self-destruct like that and and not just once not just why three times they've done it it's <laughs> and someone's gonna bail them out and they're gonna be great for like 15 it's fine years. they just rolled a one and then they'll do it <laughs> i think they rolled a succession of ones on their diplomacy checks so. I, I believe that's called a critical failure <laughs> yeah uh, but all right it's good to have you back on the show mark always a pleasure and finally he's always here he is my nemesis and that is ryan how are you doing ryan Oh, I'm hanging in there. Uh, just and you know, I'm getting catching a break from finishing watching one series, and then Picard drops, then The Mandalorian season three drops, and you know. But I we know the importance. We know the importance is to watch The Flash and keep up with that. I am caught up on The Flash. I have not missed an episode yet. I'm sorry. God help me. <laughs> well, no, see, the reason, the reason we our recording of our Flash episode last year was delayed was because Ryan took like three months to finish the season. And it was like, I, I was like, Ryan, keep up with it. It's reasonable. Yeah, I'm not apologizing for that. Did you no. see that season? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> You watched that show? Oh. Yeah. <laughs> if I didn't do over again, it would we would have been six months late. You know, <laughs> talk about snatching defeat from the jaws of victory. I still argue that the first season of The Flash is one of the best seasons of television of superhero television that's that ever cool. you know that's ever been made. And then like every season after that's been like, oh my god, what are you guys doing? But like, I mean, no. that was the Arrowverse in general, right? You know, they right. peak in season one or two, yeah. and then just yeah, trickle down. Yeah. But uh, but yeah, no, I know, yeah, lots of content out there. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I watched Picard tonight, and I've got, I really want to talk about that, but I know others <laughs> haven't. So, <laughs> yeah. I, I can't talk about Picard. <laughs> I, I I know. I well, you know my position. Like, I still don't understand why people, when it's a connected series of of episodes, why you wouldn't wait until the end and then just binge it. Because like, when it's a standalone show, I'm fine with watching week to week. But like, if they're connected episodes, it's like I would get so frustrated. It's like I just want to well, watch a season. The Netflix model is my model, but Netflix <laughs> is like. <laughs> I go back and forth. I I I, yeah. I go back and forth on that. I mean, there. Uh, the thing is, when I binge a series, though, it blurs. Mm -hmm. You know, watching yeah. it week to week, I get to digest it. I get to process it. I will binge entire series if they dropped all of Picard yeah. at once. Yeah, I would have finished it by now. It's so a, it's again, a case by yeah. case basis, definitely. Yeah. I mean, there's there's something to be said for, you know, sitting back. I've enjoyed uh, I've enjoyed having like the shows. All of the shows that I'm watching now have been slow, like weekly releases. Uh, Poker Face dropped four and then has dropped one yep. a week. Uh, the Last of Us has dropped one a week. Um, yeah, everybody's doing one a week now except for Netflix. 
All right. Uh, any, anything else new and exciting going on for you? No, uh, I'm just kind of 90% sure that we'll be going to Dragon Con this, this year. But um, other than that, it's just uh, just, you know, one day at a time. Well, if you want, I'll tell you a secret. I you realize that there's at least four other people listening. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but but they're not going to Dragon Con. Um, I, I I I am probably going to Dragon Con this year too. No. I... <laughs> well, it sounds like we'll be recording from Dragon Con. You know? If you show up this time, hey! Oh yeah. Hey. <laughs> Love it. Stupid, stupid global pandemics. I mean, God. No, no, no. I meant last time, oh, Chicago. Like 2019. No, I meant oh. in 2019, oh. where it was like you were like, "Oh, I'm, I'm having dinner with Neil deGrasse Tyson's oh, yeah. like no, uh, assistant." With, uh, yeah, uh, 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 Leanne Lord. Yeah. yeah, I didn't have dinner. Yeah. Anyways, not that's, <laughs> that's another story. Before anyone out there, before this gets back to her, like, uh, excuse me, <laughs> it was more involved than that. But yeah. Okay. Well, it's good to have you back on the show, Ryan. Good to be back. All right. And so normally we'd have a five-minute controversy here, but we have four people on this episode. And so I'm not I, I, I'm not going to go there. And besides, there's not a lot that's really controversial going on right now. I do have one that I'm keeping in my back pocket uh, for another uh, day. But uh, yeah, I think we're just going to dive into the movie because, I mean, Daviar and JD alone are going to be fun to watch on this wow. one. So. It's just because I don't know when to shut up. That's all. <laughs> But yeah. Also, no. wait, are you saying that we're not good enough for your five minute uh <laughs> controversy? Is that what I heard? No, no, I'm saying with four people, like oh. we are going to have way too much conversation. So yeah, no, we're 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 not gonna do that this week. Um so yeah, we're gonna talk about Quantumania, like we mentioned, but first we're gonna pause for a promo from another fine podcast, and then we're going to dive into it. So Brittany, Martha. <laughs> Tell me about your podcast. Oh, no. <laughs> it's like we're in sync, but also kind of a disaster. We are always a disaster. So our podcast is fun if you want to hear two people talk about and complain about stuff that <laughs> a they lot of love complaints. and also hate. And drink. And drink. And the show is called? Oh. <laughs> but, but first, let's, let's talk, talk nerdy. And you can find us on the ESO Network. Bye-bye. See you next Tuesday. <laughs> And we're back and like we talked about at the beginning of the show we are going to talk about ant-man and the wasp quantum mania which is the beginning of phase five of marvel dun, dun, dun. Uh, now uh ryan's the only one that's uh, been on the podcast before to talk about ant-man so before we talk about this one i do want just everybody's sort of brief thoughts on you know, first two Ant-Man movies, you know, what 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 you sort of thought of the character and the franchise coming into this movie before we actually talk about the movie itself. Uh, so, Daviar, why don't we start with you? Woo! 
Well, I, I think the first one is the best. Uh, I think Paul Rudd is some of the best casting that the MCU has had in a particular role. I mean, yeah, with all of the natural Paul Rudd things that he brings to a part. But I think in just playing like the classic underdog who makes good and, and becomes like a, a superhero, I just, I just, I, I think it was just brilliant casting. And I thought the first movie was just so fun, but not, not only with Ant-Man, but also what they did with Michael Douglas mm-hmm. and then also Paul Rudd's crew of thieves i mean come on we all know that michael pena was a highlight in that movie but uh but yeah i I just thought the first film was just such a nice change of pace and i like when marvel goes small which is something that it's kind of struggling with knowing how to do now but when it used to go small and have these contrasting films uh that contrasted with their big giant like world ending movies these little small more contained films just so much fun to do uh part i would argue that this current one is the smallest one yet Okay, I look forward to that argument. Well, it's been fun, everyone. <laughs> All right, that's a wrap on me. I look forward they to that They went to the quantum level, Daviar. They d- doesn't get any smaller. Oh, oh, no. No, no, that was way too smart for me. I did not, I did not get it. I did not get it. Okay. <laughs> but yeah, yeah, the second one wasn't as good, and then now we're here at the third one, and I'll, you know, save my thoughts if you haven't caught my hints already until we start talking about that. I will I will say everybody like Daviar front loaded this before the show already. So like I that's why I'm saying this about him and JD are gonna come to blows and stuff like that. So JD, what did you think of the first two Ant-Man movies? They're fine. They're fine. Okay. They're not good. But they're not bad. Okay. They're okay. Um I I think I comfortably rate them. Pretty much down the middle. I think uh, there are 31 MCU films now, and I I think uh, Ant-Man and the Wasp is like number 16 for me, and Ant-Man is number 8. Like, they're all in the middle. It's fine. They're okay. They're not, they're a good time, but that's kind of all they are. Okay. And Mark? I am, as you well know, uh 107 years old hmm. so i have a sense memory a very a very strong memory of buying marvel premiere number 47 uh from a convenience store and sticking it in the, my sock and biking home to read it so i am all in on scott lang right i mean hmm. you know uh scott's my guy and and having that come out right when it did and then having him just effortlessly end up doing guest spots in the avengers he went from george perez or from from john Byrne artwork to george perez artwork uh, not bad you know um i was the target audience for that first movie um and i i have to say you know i loved all of the reasons why they changed what they changed and how they changed it um, for the film. I thought it was really smart. I hate that these movies have been so troubled that they don't seem to ever, they can't ever get one guy that, that has like this sort of field of vision for it. And they all end up being, you know, uh, 
scrambled eggs. You know, it's 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 all all three of these movies have been Denver omelets. I think the first one worked the best. Uh, I love the second one though because I want the Wasp and I love Ant Man and the Wasp. And so, you know, I'm looking at these in terms of how do I get the things that I want in the Avengers into you know the MCU. Um, I I really think that Hope is a is a stronger upgrade from comic book Janet, who was always superficial until they decided to turn Hank Pym into uh, an abusive husband and a schizophrenic, and then she became you know a strong survivor and. I was not old enough to be able to sort of get my head around all that. You know, it, it, it still didn't really, it, it, I I was weirded out by it. Um, I thought it was, I thought it was strange. I'm glad that the MCU has avoided it altogether. And I'm glad that, um, that there's, um, this sort of generational, um, uh, arc with this particular side of the MCU. So, so, uh, I love the first two movies. Um, I don't care that Walton Goggins was, was super superfluous to the film. I could care less. <laughs> I I'll watch that man read the phone book. I'll watch him eat a sandwich. Um, he can't be on screen enough for me. Um, and, uh, as kind of jokesy as, as, as it got, and they've certainly, you know, lean, they leaned into it more with the second movie. I thought that it was well within what they established that character to be. Scott Lang in the comics is like way cooler than Paul Rudd <laughs> in the movie is. But at least when Paul Rudd was doing thief stuff, he he was serious and 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 was able to pull it off and 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 made it look like he he made it look like he was a a capable you know. Um, thief in that respect so uh yeah i i gotta tell you sometimes when i want something that's just fun i love the, the first movie really works for me you know uh it's got it's got all the things that i like about a film and it's a heist so mm-hmm. you know uh so yeah i'm i'm all in on ant-man um and uh and, and the wasp and, and this new family dynamic that they've established so okay yeah so uh you know, I've, I've kind of debated, I've gone back and forth on how to sort of approach this one, but I think I'm just going to dive headlong into it because, you know, there's the chatter, of course, online about this movie. And, um, you know, of course, there's the Rotten Tomatoes. This is the lowest Marvel movie rating on, Walt, you know, Rotten Tomatoes. And it's had a huge drop off between the first week and the second week. Did it dip below Eternals? Because it was sitting like a percentage above it. Oh, I, everything. Well, I guess I guess I should have done my fact checking because I, what what I have seen posted is that it has the lowest score on Rotten Tomatoes. I, I might, don't ever go it, to Rotten Tomatoes. It was so it was literally like forty seven to forty six. It was okay. It was it might as well be the lowest rated. Okay, well either way, it's like within a margin of error, mm-hmm. um, you know, sort of thing. But again, it's Rotten Tomatoes, so take that for whatever it is. Um. There's the uh, but yeah, there's there's a lot of people, you know, complaining about it had did have the huge drop off. It had the 69 percent drop off between week one and week two as far as ticket sales. So so here's the thing. So for me, the interesting thing about this movie, especially since it deals with quantum states, is that 
I absolutely love this movie and I dislike this movie equally at the same time. And wow. <laughs> I don't know how no no don't get I do not say I hate the movie. It is dislike and love. So that's where I'm operating at in this one. And it's really weird because I think, you know, even though we talked about the first two Ant-Man movies, I feel like oddly even though you know the first one had the whole deal of edgar wright being replaced and everything that should have felt more disjointed that feels like the most you know uh connected or or together of all of these movies and this one feels mm -hmm. really disjointed to me it's like there are two different movies one i love and the other one i'm kind of like eh. uh so so ryan start us off since since you didn't get you know we, we've already discussed the ant-man movies before so like what do you think of the movie overall <laughs> uh, I, I'm kind of in the same boat with you um, in the sense that I feel like this movie had a lot of great things going for it, mm -hmm. but I feel like it got saddled with having to launch phase five and the Kang dynasty. Uh, it was basically not an Ant-Man movie. It was a, a Kang movie. It was a, a quantum you know, realm movie, but it was not an Ant-Man movie. It basically featured Ant-Man starring Ant-Man and his family, but they were very much secondary to the sort of um, overall purpose of uh, launching the coming threat for Phase glorious Five, it felt purpose. very much the, gl the glorious purpose. <laughs> but to that end, I was literally about to say it felt like the last episode of Loki, where mm. we just basically shuffled off the main characters so that we could deal with this. I enjoyed it for what it was, but it, in that sense, it didn't feel like an Ant Man movie. I mean, the the things that make an Ant Man movie an Ant an Ant-Man movie, uh, were not there. You know, Luis wasn't there. Ants were barely there. Don't even get me talk started about the complete lack of ants in this movie. Um, <laughs> well, you can't I mean, say that. What, are you, what are you talking ending, about? Yeah. There's a whole Deus Ant Machina at the end. Barely. <laughs> yeah, I trademarked that, by the way. You're not allowed to use that. <laughs> that should be the title of this episode. You know? yes. <laughs> yes. Oh, I like that. But yeah, so... Yeah, I mean, but otherwise, it I, I enjoyed Ant-Man, the Ant-Man segments for what they were, and then I enjoyed the Kang setup for what it was. It just, I'm not 100% sure they gelled well together in the same product. Yeah, I disagree with you that there has to be a certain formula to make it an Ant-Man movie, especially because I feel like people like go way too gaga over Luis. He was funny in the first movie. He was overdone in the second movie. Mm -hmm. It's one of the things a little Luis goes a long way, but it's like, he's not in this one. It's not that big of a deal. Like, I don't feel like, you know, there are people who are like, they should do a whole movie of just Luis explaining the MCU to people. And I'm like, well, yeah, right. that would be funny for five yeah. minutes and then yeah. you would get tired no. of it. So but, I like, mean, I, w I was at least expecting him like in an after credit scene or something I mean, like he, that. He could have been yeah. there, like like they could have done like a little cameo when Scott's just sure. narrating like his day or whatever. I mean, and that that's all it fine. would have taken because the fact of the matter is we don't get an Ant Man movie every month or like yes. we did we would a comic. We don't get one every year. We might get one every two to three years. So I do feel like you have to have a certain consistency um, with the characters at at, at some point. Well, I mean, yeah, we had Scott. Hope, <laughs> you know, Come on, Nate, Come I, mean, on. Like, Cassie, I mean, Cassie comes with her own controversy. We'll get to that later. Um, but uh, <laughs> all right. All right. But yeah, you you gave us your thoughts. Um, yeah. Daviar, what did you think about the movie overall? OK, it's not the worst Marvel movie. I mean, it's not it's not for me, Thor, Love and Thunder. I mean, it's not, <laughs> but but yeah. 
you know, but it is out of 31 movies, uh, I would say it's probably in the 24, 25, 26 range. Mm. So kind of towards that lower end. I look, I'm right there with Ryan, man. I, I think I, I I think this you have to understand what your character's strengths are in order to use your character correctly in a film. Mm-hmm. And I think this movie was too big for it, not only the Ant-Man character, but for also for Paul Rudd and for what Paul Rudd does well. I think this movie, this is not the character that you use to launch a universal ending series and villain. I think it was just, I mean, the, the character of Ant-Man and his dilemmas and, and what his character and his struggles are just got swallowed up in this gigantic universe of Kang and, and the quantum realm and 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 it's like and, it, and and because of that the movie doesn't have that enjoyment factor i mean that's the thing when you have someone like paul rudd in that role when you have a movie called ant-man you want that movie to highlight that particular person. Like when you go see Iron Man, you want, you're there for Robert Downey Jr. and what he's going to do in that part. And and in this movie, it doesn't play to its own strengths. It put too much to this character that we're introducing ourselves to in, in Kang, and it even still undercuts him. I mean, I mean, some of the most interesting things of Kang are ha- are halfway done, and then the character gets killed by a guy who by a character in Ant Man who shouldn't even be able to hold Kang's water. So I just think that there's a lot of contradictions in this movie. I think uh, how what they do with like Janet and what they do with Hank, and particularly what they do with the Wasp, is just it's just underwhelming. So it's it's I don't absolutely hate it but i don't it, it's it's so i'm so apathetic to it in a lot of ways so i guess that's what i'll kick off with okay okay um jd i agree with daviar oh um don't you oh dare. Don't yeah you dare. that's the problem i i hate it i don't feel good about it but uh marvel's been doing this a lot this phase um they've kind of done it over time but uh, they really enjoy giving us a movie where they tell us on the tin who the main character is, and in the middle of the movie, you're like, "This movie's not about them, is it? Hold on, because this movie is not at all about either Ant Man or the Wasp. This movie is about Janet Van Dyne almost entirely. Um, it, it uh, how did I describe it? I described it as a kind of a blah boring movie that is only rescued by the fact that it has some really good performances hmm. none of them are the main characters <laughs> um there are there are some fun moments i'm kind of actually in the same boat with you on this nathan uh i love and hate this movie both at the same time um because it's it has moments. Uh, there is there's a lot of promise in this movie that I don't think that they uh, got anywhere near fulfilling. Um, and on the other, like the flip side of it, uh, there's some really lazy writing in this. Uh, the entire con conflict of the movie is one character for no reason not telling all of the other characters what's going on. Um, yeah. which is this is the CW me, side the of the MCU laziest, <laughs> yeah, it's just lazy. Uh, it's it's writing when it's it's figuring out a conflict when you can't figure out how to make the conflict happen. Just oh, have one of your characters keep an important secret for no reason because she never like 
we get that Kang is scary, um, but we never really get why she decided that meant that she couldn't tell her family about it. <laughs> mm-hmm. It might have helped this whole movie not happen. Oh. <laughs> um, but uh, yeah, this movie, like uh, all of the side characters are great. Uh, Kang, well, Jonathan Majors puts on a, an amazing performance in this movie. Um, uh, William Harper Jackson is is amazing in it, uh, and most of the most of the people you meet on the quantum realm are really fun. Uh, I I enjoyed Modok. Fight me, but um, all yeah, right. I'm, out, outside yeah. of that, it it really like. <sighs> Okay, we did draw a battle line with that VR. But... Scott <laughs> Scott Lang has one personality in this, and it's daughter. Um, I don't, I don't know. It's it's the rest of it's not good. All right, let me let me see if I can help. Okay. <clears throat> this is, uh, for the record, I liked it. I didn't love it. <clears throat> I think we all agreed that its reach exceeds its grasp. Yes. Yeah. Uh, yeah. 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 It's punching above, like much like Ant Man. It is punching above its weight class. <laughs> right. But they're doing something now that um, I, I I came to the realization while I was watching this movie that I am no longer the target audience for it. Um, phase one and phase two, absolutely, they were pulling out of my comic books. They were using characters and storylines that were beloved and cherished by people my age. Uh, the, the, and, and, and I've argued, I think, successfully elsewhere that the entire uh, 20-arc film from, from, from Iron Man to Endgame is Generation X. It's a Generation X-based film franchise. All the problems are Gen X problems. All of the characters are Gen X characters. All of the situations are Gen X situations. And, um, you know, I, I felt seen, very seen. Moving away from that, uh, they've made it very clear that the next iteration of the Avengers is going to be the young Avengers. Mm-hmm. And so, whereas with the first batch of films... We had the luxury of 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 getting to see these characters in a in a more or less pristine state, and then we got to see them mashed together in the Avengers. With the next phase of this film, where they're bringing new versions of these characters in, and the, and it's not a pristine environment anymore, right? But we've been through the blip. It's changed. It's all different now. Superheroes are everywhere. And so they don't have to go out of their way to tell you who all of these characters are because they've all got a tangential relationship with somebody else currently in existence. And so um, this movie is Cassie's movie. It's Cassie coming into her own as a superhero. It's about Cassie doing superhero stuff. They don't want her to. It's not safe. You're my daughter and I love you, Peanut. Uh, oh, Dad, uh, let me grow uh, as tall as you did, only not pass out. Uh, you know what I'm saying? Like that's and and we've, we that's what we've been getting with uh, several of the movies prior to this. And I think the next couple is, well, we're going to keep seeing 
um, these movies will be named Doctor Strange and the something else and Ant-Man and the Wasp and something else. But they're, those characters are going to be secondary to the, the, the new crop that they're trying to, to bring into us. And I've decided I'm okay with that. Um, I'm, I'm okay with it. Uh, there's a lot of stuff in there so, and see, and, and unfortunately the stuff that's sort of a holdover for me, like MODOK is the stuff that I felt they felt was, that was tacked on, you know, um, it was really frustrating, uh, because I love Kang, Kang the Conqueror, one of my favorite Avengers villains. I mean, he's, he's up there with Dr. Doom, man. He's one of the good ones. And uh, I'm trying to uh, reconcile. They, they they didn't call him the Conqueror in Loki. They're calling him the Conqueror here, and I thought that was cool. But I'm I'm trying to figure out if if they use time travel, you know, the way they did with the quantum realm for Endgame, um, you know, where's the place outside of time? Uh, and, and why isn't Kang there? Why I'm trying to figure out what <clears throat> I haven't, I've not yet understood what the multitude of Kangs gets us. I don't get, I don't understand where that's coming from. And so it's, uh, it's, it's disposable been, Kangs. Well, so you can right. kill them off and still have more. <laughs> Although I will, I will also argue, uh, I, I don't read that Kang is dead at the end of this movie either. Oh, clearly not. No. I mean, show, show me the body. <laughs> well, that's just, that's just it. You know, I mean, the only way to get rid of him is that you've got to kill all of them, you know? So I, 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 I'm not sure. I don't know how the, you know, obviously they want to do with Kang what they're, what they did with Thanos. Mm -hmm. I think the difference is that with Thanos, I think that's something that developed as they realized, Oh, we could keep this going and do more things and, and build it out. And now you know, having, having in the doing all of that with 20 movies, they have the, the freedom to say, okay, who are we going to do this for next? Let's do Kang. We haven't done Kang yet. All right, let's do Kang. And so there's, there's some intentional seating, uh, but I'm, I'm not sure that it's actually working. And I think some of the tacked on parts of the story are the things that didn't hold together for me. Um, you know, uh, I, I really enjoyed I, I always enjoy the relationship, the, the, it's sort of, it's equal parts antagonistic and avuncular, the relationship between uh, Pim and Lang. I think that's just great. And I like the fact that they've sort of kind of done this blended family unit thing, but um, I was looking for Bobby Cannavale, you know, I mean, I wanted, I, I needed to see how, I needed to see how Cassie you know, co-opted into this environment, how that's affecting her when she has spent most of her life living apart from it. So I, I, I think they're trying to quickly get to the young Avengers. And I think in their haste to get to the young Avengers, they may be leaving some things on the table that, that they should have maybe dealt with. Anyways, I, it's a long way to go from this. I liked it. I didn't love it. The things that I liked about it were great. The things that I didn't love about it uh, made me want to uh, punch uh, a baby seal. <laughs> we had zero Judy Greer in this movie, which yeah. I will always highlight as a problem. There you go. Yeah. 
And it right. did not. It didn't answer the question. Did they blip or didn't they? I mean, you yeah. know, was Kathy alone for five years? Who raised her? <laughs> that, that yeah. Well, yeah. No, I mean, because that was my problem. Because like when she starts calling him like Grandpa Hank, I'm like, wait a minute. Yeah. Hank definitely did blip. So yeah, she definitely. has. She barely spent a year with Hank. You know, like because it's only mm-hmm. been since he came back from the blip that she would have known him. They they don't have they they haven't done the work to to sell me on the fact that she would see like Hank as a like. A, a grandpa figure well, for herself. If because... they were gonna, if they were gonna do that, the easiest way to do it would have been during "Welcome Back," you know, <laughs> to have a little flash scene of the two of them getting married in a in a small civil ceremony, you know, uh, at the courthouse, right? Or, to, or, or to better yet, have them get married with you all of the about Hope and, and Scott. Yeah, yeah. Hope and Scott. Okay. Have them get married, and, right, and let's do that. Let's do that two-page splash in yeah. all of the Marvel comics whenever <laughs> the superheroes get married, where they have everybody there. You know, yeah. I mean that you and see, and the thing is, is that could have been a five-second scene. Yeah, but but see, that, not... that, that that for the rest of the movie, every time she says "Grandpa Hank," you don't wince. Yeah, well, that's the thing. It's like I, I, I'm totally okay with somebody calling somebody grandpa that isn't their actual grandpa because I mean, you know, I'm not. Like, it's dishonest. Okay. <laughs> there are plenty of people where you like you gain a relationship with an older figure that you sort of like treat them as if you're yeah. your grandparents or whatever but it's like yeah that's the thing uh just thinking about the timeline we're still like in the in marvel time we're still like a year out from the blip and you know everybody coming back from the blip and it's like so at most she's only had a year with hank and then it's like, and and it, and she's older now too. She's like college age. So again, it's like you don't form those relationships as quickly as you would if you were a little. I didn't kid. get college. I got senior in high school. Yeah, I got I got high schooler for sure. I got senior, high I got school senior. genius who can build a device to reach. Well, yeah, that's right. right. I thought they said something about her like being in college or something, but I would have to rewatch to know why I got that. I got the feeling that she well, was like a freshman in college, but actually, okay, now now. You could almost make the argument because it did say that she had studied Hank's journals. So right. maybe in her mind, but again, they could have explained this. It could have explained that right. she created this relationship reading through his journals uh, over the past five years. That she started calling him Grandpa five, you know, yeah, three, I just, four I just years. Like it's a it's minor thing. I just felt the Grandpa wasn't earned. It's yeah, it's just that's... bad writing to to leave that to you to figure out. I, th- right. I think yeah. I think that is absolutely the least of this movie's problems. Right, and that's why I said I didn't want to harp on this. A hundred percent. But that's this podcast. <laughs> <laughs> so, are you saying it's the smallest of the problems? Or... Uh, I mean, <laughs> it's the most quantum realm you know, of the. There's problems. A, there's a much bigger problem at hand here. And I'm telling you right now, it's got an acronym for a name. It's M O D O K. You forgot the F. You forgot right. the F. <laughs> all right, all right, all right. Well, fine. If if Mark really wants to talk about Modoc, let's talk about Modoc. That's not the direction I was going to go, but let's talk about Modoc. Okay. So first of all, I don't care. Well, all right, all right. All the people who hate the way that Modoc looks, I don't care. He. Nope. It's supposed he to be a giant head with little accurate. arms and legs. You're right, exactly. <laughs> and, and you know what? Before you launch into how this movie does Modoc dirty, and I do understand, envision a world in which this movie didn't go as hard in on Modoc and, and try to like make him look, I don't know, less less goofy, less Modoc-y, because that's, that, that's easily a world we could have lived in, and we didn't get that. 
So at least be happy about that. My problem is not with the final look of Modok. In fact, even mm -hmm. like when the mask part is in place, I think Modok actually looks pretty good, yep. you know. Um, but the but the thing is this. It was more of the fact that their explanation for why he looks that way is that when he shrunk, like, you know, because the thing was broken, he shrunk disproportionately. To mm -hmm. me, it should have been more of a body horror. Kang took Darren when he shrunk down. He modified him. He increased his intelligence. It was mm. more of a torture type thing Breach. to create this killing machine. They imply that, but it gets swept under the rug so fast. No, because like, they show him like shrinking disproportionately, and then he's already there as a body with the spindly. Remember the butt shot where they show him without <laughs> the thing? Of and it's course, just, like, I remember the butt and shot. I'm, and like that's the stuff where I'm like, because Darren, be, be, as Modok, ends up becoming a comedy figure instead yes. of the killing machine that he sold as. Well, and I mean, Modok in the comics is a is a comedy character. He's not played. <laughs> but... I mean, at least not. I mean, maybe post-2000, but at least pre-2000, he was not played for laughs. I read I comics, will, he was not played for laughs. I will and when say, Jack Kirby draws him, he works. Yeah, I, I will say the biggest problem with MODOK in this is that MODOK is not a goon. M MODOK's mm -hmm. not a a follower. Mm -hmm. um, and he is he is essentially Kang's hired muscle in this movie. Well, and um, even then, it's like Darren was a horrible person. Like yes. that came through loud and clear in Ant-Man and here. So he's turned into a killing machine, but now he's just sort of like goofy sidekick. And in fact, even that, like all he needs is to be told, like, don't be a dick. And then he's just like, oh, you know what? Like my life's completely wrong. I, I, I have this turn secret around. like brother relationship with Scott that never existed from the first movie. Like, oh, yeah. yeah, that's the stuff that I felt like was a real problem. Cause like if Darren was actually nasty and evil, like he was originally, and add the increased intelligence that Modok is supposed to have, that would have been decent. My problem is way more with Darren than it is with Modok in this movie. Okay. But, but to that point, Nathan, I think you're exactly right. I think everything you said, I think they had what they needed to make Modok work. Right. I think him in that mask was great. And yes. when he came on screen, I was like, oh, this is how he's going to look? It wasn't until that flips up and we get we get uh, <laughs> Corey Stahl's like, ridiculous grimace and dead-eyed look that it all just goes to hell. But before that, I thought that really could have worked. And then that would have added to the villainy of Kang, which I, uh, excuse me, uh, to, uh, to, yeah, to Kang, because to my point, what we don't see enough of in this movie is the conqueror, is this villain that we should all be shivering in front of. That makes We're told he's the conqueror, but we don't ever We're see him. I mean, we, we do see yeah. him just like body a whole bunch of people and make them evaporate real fast. But those are people we don't, but, but those are, that could be anybody. I mean, it's like the fact that this man has supposedly killed Avengers in multiple universes, that is something that is, that is game changing. Well, yeah. is, we were never oh, going to see that though. We're going to, we're, we're going to talk about Kang in a minute, but, but, okay, but, but we were, we, this, we were told to talk about MODOK. So we're talking I, about MODOK right now. We didn't have to talk about it, but, but here's the deal. <laughs> you could have done that character and not used Darren Cross. Yep. Yeah. You could have used Darren Cross and not used Modoc. Yes. Right? A hundred percent. The prop this is what I mean about them trying to shoehorn some stuff in. I appreciate the effort. Again, Gen X Mark, who uh has had to endure Reb Brown's 
motorcycle helmet and uh, Nicholas Hammond's disco ball sized web shooter that fires clothesline and and who grew up uh, watching the Batman TV show and being told that comics were for kids. This guy never thought he'd see Modoc on Mm. on screen in a movie in a theater, you know, ever in a million years. So, you know, golf claps for that. On the other hand, um, you know, do put the work in, you know, uh, keep the mask on. You, you could have, he could have even been Darren cross in the mask, you know, and they could have done a flip up reveal Vader style at the end, you know? Mm. Um, but, but by putting cross in there and having him be Modoc, you're those two things work at cross purposes. And I'm, I'm really upset about the fact that um, one of the freedom fighters has uh has a, a a particle cannon for a head <laughs> and i'm looking at that going man that is so cool and then yeah. modok removes his face visor and i go well crap are is it 1995 am i watching birds of prey again what is this hercules the legendary adventures what are you doing you know i mean if you if you want to know what marvel thinks of modok you just have to watch the animated series <laughs> yeah i i refuse to do but that the animated series was its own thing and i get that for sure. right and, and and yeah, I agree. You know, if you if you put that character in the cold hard light of day and and not Jack Kirby drawing him or one of Kirby's minions, it's gonna it's gonna be a hard sell. And I would have been perfectly okay if they had not used Modoc at all. I would have not felt bad. I mean, I, you know, I, it's the way that they did Arnim Zola in Winter Soldier was so cool Yeah, because again another thing i never thought i'd see and i thought what a great way to sort of nod to the character and nod specifically to to that way that character looked and even have that character do pull off a villainous thing but but not have it devolve into um a, a jokey hokey thing so you could have put darren cross you could have given darren cross the particle cannon head you know you could have if you wanted to use cross as a villain if you wanted to use him as a henchman uh i would have had no problem with any of that that would have been fantastic uh i i just have a real problem it, it here's it felt intentionally underdone and and i can't believe that that they signed off on it thinking that 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 looked okay i think they thought it looked like a joke that's that's what they wanted i really think to make modok work you have to lean into body horror like mm-hmm. you can even have him look sure, comic sure. accurate but go into like this was a person that was modified horribly mm-hmm. and painfully and then suddenly it becomes less of a doesn't that look funny he's got these little arms and legs and he's a big head and it becomes more of a oh my god like you know what was done to this person and that would have been but yeah the, the whole comedy aspect of it i think didn't work yeah. and the thing for me the mo- biggest disappointment is agents of shield wanted to do Modok in season four. They had a Russian character that was going to turn into Modok, sure but Marvel Studios said you can't do that. We're gonna use Modok. So Feige <laughs> must have had like like an inkling. Like I'm sure they didn't have it all plotted out, but he had an inkling right. of what they wanted to do. And I'm like, no, like the Agents of Shield version, I'm sure would have been much better than what Probably. we got here. 
Um, I don't think I, I don't know if it would have been better, but I damn sure know it wouldn't have been any worse. It would have been inter. It would have been more interesting. Right. I doubt they would have gone for comics accurate though. They would have done something like Mark saying, like with Winter Soldier and Arnold Zolov, something that yeah. Modok inspired, but isn't the Modok you know from the comics. But mm-hmm. yeah, yeah, but yeah. So I'm disappointed uh, about that. But I will say this: uh, not e- e- even with all that said, not the worst cameo in this movie. <laughs> not the worst cameo in this movie. Not really? a long shot. I know where you're going. Oh, with that. really? Whoa, whoa, whoa. Oh, really? Oh, but, but, really? Oh, <laughs> let Ryan have his say on Modoc because he's the oddly Ryan is silent. <laughs> uh, because because I think I'm kind of in disagreement with all of you all, or at least to some extent or the or another. Um, you know, earlier earlier Mark was saying that um, uh, this movie was he was not the target audience. Uh, for this film and i think modok is a perfect example of that of you know it's just you know comic accuracy crashing into modern sensibilities mm-hmm. um they yeah yeah uh yeah of course the comic accurate modok is never going to work and so this is the quantum realm where you know pardon the language but crazy happens so in in by the rules of the quantum realm you know his warped body is completely fine whatever it it even plays into what we saw and i will give marvel credit for this i'll give kevin Feige or the mcu or someone credit for this so many times they leave these you know dangling threads these uh uh you know possibilities red skull falling through the tesseract oh we're never we forgot all about that until okay <laughs> fine he's guard he's guarding the soul stone now you know and darren cross just shrinking down to nothing and then you think you're never going to see him again so i will give them credit oh feige apparently has a scorecard because they're all coming back the leaders mm. coming back in captain america yeah. new world order yeah. so it's fantastic like, he, he's like here's yes. all the characters we lost track of and he's just checking off the boxes of let's bring them back yeah. you know and so, and okay. to that end to, to jd's point we're gonna see this Kang the Conqueror, this very one, he shrunk down and disappeared into the engine, but we didn't see him die, so he will be back. But um, as far as this, as far as Darren as Modok is concerned, I'm fine with it because we again we're getting these movies, we're getting three movies a year. Modok is such a a character that I mean he's he was never going to be the main antagonist of a film. This right. was as best as we were going to ever get for Modok as far as. <laughs> you know uh mm-hmm. him being in there i, so. I disagree yeah. he doesn't have to be a main villain to be mm-hmm. effective like and not a joke i mean like yeah. that's that's the thing he doesn't have to be the main villain of the movie i mean he easily could have been the main villain of Ironheart mm. as as the leader of aim absolutely yeah yeah that would have been that would have been cool but the the fact that cassie is the one that basically gives him the don't be a dick advice yeah yeah is, is one of the things that made me go okay th- this is this is a the parts of this movie uh the chunks of this movie are aimed at gen z who oh, yeah. who yeah. are who have been watching these movies with us the whole time and going finally god why couldn't they have just started with stinger god duh why would they do it that way you know because they don't understand and they don't care about like anything before the year 2000 you know, if I if I tell them, you know, Falcon first appeared back in 1970, they go, shh, you know, they, no, stop talking. You know, they don't care. <laughs> no one was alive in 1970. What are you talking about? <laughs> so that whole notion of like the of Modoc being uh, kind of a throwaway, you know, uh, but but not a throwaway because, you know, Cassie gets to dispense some 
some Gen Z wisdom, you know, do better. And, and gets to come to terms yeah. with what happened to her in the first movie as right. well. That's the part like I like. See, that that's, I, yeah. I, I agree that having Cassie confront him was mm-hmm. right because it's like he this is the thing that because they even uh set that up in the beginning where she was she's with terrorized by him as a child had nightmares about this thing and everything you know and so it's yeah. like yeah i like the fact that she got to confront him and like sort of like take back her power basically but like that it ends with don't be a dick like you know like and that's like somehow convinces him that he's like oh my wife you know yeah. I, I, I i've made so many bad decisions well, like, that's what the bothered part. me I mean, wasn't no. the advice it was the fact that he followed it but there there are two points to keep in mind one is he's clearly insane you know, between yeah. well, being yeah. shrunken down and being Kang's uh, puppet, he's, you know, quite crazy. Yeah, he's bon- he's bonkers. Right. I mean, he was quite crazy before. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Even but even crazier. Yeah. And again, the pin particles, who knows what they did to his brain as well. So uh, there, there's a lot going on there. But the other factor in this, I thought I didn't really give this much credence, but I thought about it when he's saying, I always thought of you as a brother, Scott. Um, there's really no reason to think that this Darren is our Darren. That's true. Uh, he could have very well been a variant from a, another. Not that that matters, but it could have been a variant from another uh, universe that also shrunk down. God, I hope not, Ryan. I hope yeah, it was I just hope. that he was nuts. <laughs> yeah. and, right. You know, was, you know projecting neither. a relationship that wasn't there. That's how yeah. I read it. You know, when it's I comedy. watched it, I was like, right. I was like, yeah, he's he's yeah. unhinged. He doesn't remember any of that. He's 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 constructed an idyllic. <laughs> you know uh uh a wonderland because he's in hell you know yeah but 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 god i hope you're not right that's so late but that's <laughs> easy writing though is just to say that well he just went insane because clearly the pim particle and he's a, he and he was shrunk down which like it's okay to try to have cassie win him back or turn him from his ways but then use better writing than don't be a dick because yeah. to that point mark who is that appealing to other than to a seven-year-old in the audience it's like yeah. that, that that's use that moment to actually give us something care to show how cassie has grown to show that cassie is ready to be a hero because not only can she put on the suit but in true hero fashion she's got the heart of a hero right. and she knows how to connect to someone uh in a way to try to win them over rather than just to punch them. That's not fair because literally, and I, yeah. I, like five minutes earlier, we saw her give an inspiring speech to the entire quantum realm, rallying okay. all the fighters. You know, yeah. so I mean, I would have been redundant. You're right. To and to Davyar's point, her, her saying "Don't be a dick" isn't needed because she she demonstrates she's a hero. We got we got that. It felt like it. it the whole thing felt tacked on. You know, I, I don't know. I, I mean, ever I know everybody's mileage varies and all that. And so that's, and part of what, t- what tears me up is that, you know, I, I, I look at it and I go, it's Modoc and he sucks. <laughs> you know, it's just, I, you know, I think it would have played better to have Modoc attack Kang out of vengeance. Right. He's been tortured. He's just really pissed off. That would have been fine yeah. instead of trying to have him die a hero, but then they would have lost all the jokes. Right. I would have really been, again, I, there's plenty of, you could have come up with an original character for Cross. Cross didn't have to even be, uh, uh, he didn't have to slot into the Marvel Universe per se. He could just, he could have just been as body horror up as as nathan wants him to be and just as insane as as they made him out to be when you take the modok shell off of it then then yeah he could have been 
He could have been any one of the like Kirby-esque uh, subhuman creatures that roam the negative zone and, and uh, the, the, any of the Bill Mantlo uh, microverse guys. I know, I know it's not the microverse, but it's totally the microverse. <laughs> right. Hasbro's right. yeah. lawyers cannot give them a cease and desist for quantum realm. Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, the thing is, it, you know, we we saw cabbage people, we saw globs of people walking around. There was know, a broccoli so people. We, <laughs> broccoli people. I'm sorry, not cabbage broccoli. Yes, uh, I'm getting my vegetables confused. You know, but uh, if we had seen people walking around with giant heads and small limbs who weren't in Modoc suits, we wouldn't have thought anything about it. It was just the quantum realm. It's the fact that they put him in the Modoc suit. That and, and, and 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 gave him the name and had them work out the acronym and all of that stuff you know i mean it uh <laughs> i mean here's the deal they spent i know we're not talking about actual film anymore you know right. but they spent real estate of this of the story on that so yeah that's the that's the deal if cross had just stepped into the shadows and said he had help Good to see you again, you know, and then and and he's got the he's all tricked out and weird and nutty and one eye is bigger than the other and 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 the eye that's normal is like a laser scope and you know you you know just and they they would have gone cross he go yeah yeah still alive you surprised and then that's it and now we can get back to the story <laughs> we don't need any more we got it <laughs> you know uh, all that all that real estate of of story space was wasted on on the, on that and and there's there are some there's some indulgences that the film takes that i feel are um uh it, they were they were played for laughs or or you know, maybe not laughs but but they devolve into silliness um which uh is is kind of kind of irritating uh you know, um, and it's, well, and it's, it's as little, it's as, it's as insignificant as Hank learning how to fly the, the sky ships, you know, here's a guy who worked for shield back when shield was still like a super secret organization. Here's a guy that went on covert operations as Ant-Man. Here's a guy who engineered a way to get a thief into the Ant-Man suit to do the things that he couldn't do anymore because he needed these things done. Here's a guy with the, with the architectural planning insight and genius to invent PIM particles and have the, have the courage and the intelligence to take them away from the people that, can, that, could, that could use them for ill will. And so uh, what does he end up doing? Sticking his hands in goo and flying <laughs> a ship. Quantum realm <laughs> and acting like it's not a big deal, acting well, like he's not Michael. You know, it just makes me nuts. Well, yeah, I mean, this is speaking to what Ryan was saying, where like there's certain expectations of an Ant Man movie that they were trying to deliver, but also trying to do an epic Marvel movie, and that's why yeah. like the movie feels so disjointed. Is they're trying to do the epic Marvel movie while also doing well, it's an Ant Man movie, so it's got to be silly and have the jokes and you know all that kind of stuff, and that's kind of the the the, the issue, I think. I mean. I think for a lot of this, at the end of the day, especially with MODOK, at the end of the day, it just depends on whether or not you're a fan of the source material. If you know MODOK from the comics, if you loved MODOK or hated MODOK, or at least you are aware of MODOK, then you have a problem with this interpretation. It's, it's, it just, it's the same thing as the whole um, uh, Black Widow Hulk romance. You know, people hated that or they loved it based on their familiarity. I disagree with that fully. 
I, I disagree. I liked that just fine. I thought it worked for their MCU yeah. versions. And yeah. I'm a fan of the comics and know both characters <laughs> and know that they never had a relationship in the comics. But I still like the MCU version of that. I'm a fan of the comics and I, I don't have a, a huge problem with Modoc in this movie, aside from, again, he's not a follower. And that, that seemed very, I, I don't know, antithetical to his personality uh, from the comics. But I mean, they change stuff from the comics all the time. So at the end of the day, that's that's not. Right, because Ryan, the problem that we're having isn't that he's not like he is in the comics. Well, maybe JD mm -hmm. sounds like he's a little bit because he's not like <laughs> he's in the comics. But like, it's just that he, narratively, he's too silly. Like, that's the problem. Is well, it's like he, we, I want something a little more serious that has like some this, more heft to it. Like that's the problem. Really, like, like, like Darren, a lot of the Darren was four. a more serious character, and I would have liked that in Modok form. <laughs> yeah, I, I, like I'm, a lot I'm, of the Phase Four movies before it this movie doesn't know what tone it wants to have right well, okay. uh, it, it has it has thor love and thunders problem all right guys like, i'm gonna what tone agree. are you going all right I, i'm well, gonna i'm gonna play the host card which i usually don't do but we gotta talk about <laughs> kang okay like that's, <laughs> that's fine <laughs> yeah. yeah go ahead ryan no stop you or nathan i'm sorry nathan yeah make, make it work brother all right. So, yeah, like, like, let's talk about Kang, because first of all, I'm going to say Jonathan Majors is doing a fantastic job and he did exactly what I was hoping. You know, when I saw Loki, I was like, OK. Him playing He Who Remains, it's OK for him to be this like weird sort of crazy guy as long as he doesn't play that when he's doing Kang. And mm -hmm. yes, he did the right thing. And he even said, like, when he's playing like the different iterations, like he's not like going back and looking back at what he did or whatever. He's approaching each Kang iteration, every variant, like it's its own thing, like it's its own part. Mm -hmm. And I absolutely love that. And I think that his performance is really good because he is exuding the confidence and the sort of just wariness of somebody who's done all this before and is just like, I am tired of this. I just want to get done with my goal and get out of here. And I thought all of that was great. I, I think he was the best thing about this movie, uh, hands down, was was the performance there. Uh, now, to Daviar's point, one of my problems, again, good things, bad things. One of my problems was that... Uh, see, I disagree that Kang can't be the villain in an Ant-Man movie. I feel like the way that that all came together, though, was the problem. Because, like, we see Kang just disintegrating people, just pointing and laser blast shoot out, and he's disintegrating people. But as soon as Hope and Scott run at him, he does this, like, burst effect thing that just knocks them back. And I'm like, wait a minute. Like, because the only person he cares about here is Janet, right? Like, cause he wants Janet to like pay for like what she did to him or whatever. Like there's no reason why after they've proven themselves to be like an annoyance to him that he wouldn't just do the same thing. Bang, bang, you're disintegrated and it's done and the thing is yeah obviously you're not going to kill off your leads but then the writing shouldn't have put them in the situation where you have to have kang who's been the conqueror in this movie and acting like the conqueror doesn't actually do like the thing he should do you know against these people and it felt very forced and it felt wrong um 
That's, I, I think I, that's a I, great I, point, uh, Nathan, because I think the big the, this writing's biggest sin, I mean, this movie's biggest sin for me is its writing. And, and, and you're right. Majors gives a fantastic performance in the few scenes that he has to truly do something. But his character, as I said earlier, his character is constantly undercut. And if you have someone that you're presenting who is supposed to be this powerful, you know, I, it's where I, I didn't we didn't have a movie with stakes where there's a where there's a character that's supposedly this powerful. Like if Thanos is was able to wipe out half the Avengers and when when he finally makes it, you know, is on screen for an extended amount of time, I have to see Kang at least do something similar. Someone has to die. Someone has to, there has to be stakes to truly to truly make me feel that this person is someone we gotta reckon with from here on out. And and it can't just be you telling me, oh, the things he did, or me having a flashback to him zapping a bunch of faceless beings that we don't know. And I think I will. I hate the fact that Majors was so game to bring this awesome interpretation of this character, and unfortunately, he didn't have um, uh, uh, um, Marcus, uh, the, the original writers from uh, Infinity War. Uh, I'm getting. I'm forgetting off the top of my head, but those guys mm. didn't have them writing the script. Yeah. Yeah. So, so just a few more points I want to make. Um, yeah. I I do disagree about the uh, Council of Cross Time Kangs. Like that is one of the things I've been really excited to see. Mm-hmm. Um, like because that's that's the thing. At least yeah. when I was reading comics in the '90s, you know, like Kang had started reaching out to all his versions of himself throughout the universe, and sort of like the Kang Empire like yep. was both across reality as well as forwards and backwards in time. Council of Kangs is a big deal. Right. So I actually liked that. And I like that they're setting that up and that they're giving us like, you know, no, there's like, there's, there's, there's tons of this guy, like all his different variants are working together. I liked that. Again, it's one of those throwaway, we're setting stuff up at the end credit scene kind of thing. But I actually got really excited for that end credit scene. It really worked for me. Um, but, uh, but I do agree, like, so here's, here's one of the problems I have as a comic reader. This one probably is with me as a comic reader. Kang's thing above everything else is time. And he pays lip service to time in this movie. But we keep showing Kang or versions of Kang where, oh, okay, he's sort of powerless at the end of time. He just set up this TVA or he's in this quantum realm where he can't do time travel for reason. Because they say it's because quantum realm doesn't have time, but clearly there is time because events happen past, present, future, whatever. They're just saying that to set up why he wants to leave, whatever. Um, But I want to see Kang as a time traveler. You yeah. know, that's like that's the number one thing I want to see. Pulling in alternate realities, all that, that's great. But I want to see him primarily as a time traveler. And we don't have that yet. And I get that there are going to be other movies, and I'm sure it's coming. But that's the thing. I want that as the fundamental core. Right. I'm ambivalent about how much backstory we're getting, just because there's a part of me that actually really likes the idea of the characters encountering Kang and having absolutely no idea who he is or what he is. At Loki, I definitely liked it. I liked the fact that it's like, oh, we're meeting Kang out of order, which is the most Kang thing you can do. You know, like we, we were actually meeting an endpoint of Kang before we meet him as the villain. Um, but then like now it's starting to feel like, oh, maybe we could have had a little bit more here. But there is part of me that kind of likes that, that sort of like like we're still like not sure about the context that we need to view this guy in. And I kind of like that. Um, 
but I definitely think the thing that would have filled like like helped the threat level part that I mentioned before and what both my wife and I thought were going to happen is if by staying to defeat Kang Scott and Hope get stuck in the quantum realm because then there yeah. would have been cost to... yep, I would have rather had a different ending in this movie. right and then that would have allowed Cassie to step up you know Cassie got out mm -hmm. Cassie will now get to step up in the next yeah. Avengers somebody movie. somebody should have should have there should have been a trade-off totally yep. there should have been a cost to yeah. that victory right because it feels too easy that they were able to defeat the conqueror you know like this guy and they, and they play they pay that lip service which is one of the few gags that I think actually really lands mm. is that gag at the end of the movie where he yeah. suddenly has an existential crisis about uh the problem that he created right uh but i mean outside of that uh you know i, I agree there needed to be some kind of cost i was hoping because that ending scene so mirrored like in some ways the ending of shang chi that i wanted wong to open a portal and be like scott come here and then <laughs> like a thing like that like they did at the end of shang chi where it's like you screwed up big time but <laughs> and that go to credits that would have been, anyway. cool. been great no i'm i'm excited for the lead into loki i you know uh i like the show i thought that that end sequence was interesting it certainly it certainly piqued my interest you know mm -hmm. um <clears throat> i think you're right we're i i continue to trust him the feige mm -hmm. even when i don't always agree with with him and and there and there was a there was a lot of stuff i didn't agree with uh both just sort of personally and otherwise in in some of the recent movies mm -hmm. But I absolutely um, am, am willing to give him enough rope uh, to see how Kang develops. And, you know, knowing, of course, that <clears throat> we, we're, we're not even at the Fantastic Four yet. You know, this we're not to Doctor Doom. There's X-Men coming. Uh, you know, it would be it would be strange to to have to to not think that Galactus is going to show up, right? Mm -hmm. I mean, it'd be really point. strange to think Eventually. that, that would be a thing, right? Sure. So, so you know, knowing that they are playing the long game and knowing that they're basically spooling these movies out across, you know, all of all of this stuff, I'm prepared. To, to let them hopefully shape this blob of infinite Kang nonsense down into something that resembles, you know, my or your uh, Nathan Kang the Conqueror. Um, yeah, and, and part of it is that, you know, we've got all these movies behind us and the Disney Plus shows have, have been dropping pretty regularly and so there's this, you know, we've known about it for a while, but now it's like, why don't they get here? You know, well, about that, they will be dropping them much less frequently moving forward. Well, yeah. Well, I, I, I haven't seen any official like word on that. That's all rumor sites so far, at least that I've seen. What's that? Uh, that that they're like pushing uh, the Disney Plus shows like out of this year and based and only like two of them are going. Agatha Agatha Harkness officially has a to be determined date right now. Where are you seeing that? Twenty twenty three, uh, on Disney Plus's uh, information or uh, the last. I think uh, it's just been. Do they weird have that posted conference. somewhere where you can see uh, it? I'm not sure. Oh, okay. I think I think the hiccups have been mostly uh, pandemic and post pandemic. I think. A lot of it has been uh, Feige being concerned about how 
uh, phase four was received and, and feeling like it's becoming saturated. Oh, well, uh, the thing uh, I've been hearing is that because Disney is facing financial problems yeah. now, also, that yes. that's part of, they're, mm-hmm. they're trying to reduce costs by doing these less frequent, like doing the Disney Plus shows less frequently. That's the rumor. Again, this is all rumors. That's why I don't want to put too much stock in it because like there's been no official press announcement or anything about we, this. We, so. we know we're, we know we're going to get three Marvel movies. This yeah, year. the movies oh, are yeah, not touched. Yeah, the movies, movies are untouched next year, and so uh, I, that's right that's now. All this is going to mostly develop in. Yeah, I, right now the only two that are definitely confirmed uh, for this year, as far as Disney Plus shows go, are um, Secret Invasion, Secret Invasion, and, and Loki, Loki season, season two. two. Yeah. yeah. Uh, X Men ninety seven is still this year, but that's, right, like the animated stuff is kind yeah, of separate. But that's outside. Like, yeah. Exactly. Yeah. yeah, but I mean Disney Plus is you know to to stay competitive they have to release new material weekly material so i don't see them cutting back on the disney plus series significantly slowing down maybe a little bit but well right now they've uh they've got more star wars than marvel stuff on the books and i suspect that was an overcorrection yeah, yeah so, probably yeah i think probably if they can get it to where they can sort of balance those two out a little bit more they might... had it at one point last year. <laughs> there, oh yeah, yeah. Uh, there was this brief period of about four months where it was just like bam, 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 and you were mm-hmm. like, "God, I'm, I feel like I'm getting punched." Um, the it, it's going to be okay, you know. I mean, uh, again, I'm Ooh. still I'm still in on this on the on the MCU. I I love the fact I, that they're still using characters that I know and like. Uh, we haven't gotten you know sam jackson's still around you know and anytime they want to they can always go back and tell a tale of 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 a little chapter of the marvel universe that we didn't know about what that's always been those have been some of the best parts of these larger stories is you know getting flashbacks to when hank had a full head of hair and you know uh and and you know and and howard stark was still in in the project and in in the program i love all that stuff so there's still a lot of directions that they can go in and, and they haven't even I mean, the, you know, the fact that we're the, the fact that they still haven't gotten FF and X Men into the MCU means that we're going to be doing this for a while. So mm-hmm. I'm I'm prepared to give them the the latitude that they need. I mean, uh, but but I'm also real. I'm prepared. I'm I'm also prepared to not have any more moments in my life where I tear up in the theater, going, "That's my Spider Man," or "Oh my God, that's the." freaking avengers you know what i mean like i i, I don't think i'm gonna get those uh anymore you, you may now, get it with fantastic four I, well i mean i hope you know, yeah right. well but my if, fear if you're Mark, right it, I, there's a potential for that on the ff if they stick the landing yeah uh and certainly um i i feel like if anybody could th- this team could because they you know th- they know that history as well as we do you know mm-hmm. so um but but the I, it's 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 a weird thing to 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 be talking about. It, it feels like we're talking about one chapter of a six hundred page book. 
right? You know that one chapter in, in part seven of Harry Potter where they were just in the woods? I hated that chapter. I know. What was she thinking with that one chapter? I mean, the chapter after, it's great. Yeah, but that yeah. one chapter was just stupid. That's what some of this But Mark, like. it's we're... those bad chapters that make you put the book down eventually. And the, the thing well, I'm worried about is because of the, the cutbacks that they're having, they're not hiring the, the writers with the vision that they once did. They're not hiring the directors with the division that they once did. There are no Joss Whedon's or John Favreau's. James Gunn is leaving after this after Guardians 3. And I think that Guardians 3 is going to be the false hope for a lot of us because I think that's going to be awesome because it's going to be Gun Swan Song and then yeah. Gun's going to be out. And then all those people that kind of gave us the best of what Marvel was are going to be gone now because they're not bringing those people back. They're replacing them with people who, frankly, I just don't think ha are coming in with the same talent or vision to carry this 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 phase on to live up to what it once was. So that's my I will. You know, I think I think you may have hit the nail on the head. And and again, to go back to Gen X, all the people that were making these movies are my approximate age. Um, and, and so we, we've got a shared history that also is star Wars as well. Uh, it, and, and so some of the things that have come out have been, you know, direct result of, of them going, I'm going to make the movie that I wanted to see when I was a kid, never got to see, or, you know, whatever um or or someone that was able to at least tap into that in some to some degree um but you're right as as the newer the, as the new versions of these heroes take over and and it's so weird to think of it this way i i put in my newsletter uh last week when i talked about this that the young avengers are um 18 years old <laughs> you know and by the time their movie comes out they'll be old enough to drink. It'll be 21 years. It'll be like two decades worth of young Avengers in comics. And that's nothing to sneeze at. You know what I mean? But I, I wonder who you hand that to. And I, and I, <clears throat> this isn't a rhetorical question. I really want to know who do you hand that off to that's going to treat it with the same gravitas that Favreau treated Iron Man. Or that you know, um, yeah, uh, the Russo the, brothers with the, the Russo brothers treated Captain but, America Winter Soldier. You know what I'm I saying? Mean, there is a flip side to this equation too, and y'all are forgetting that like some of the people that quote unquote made Marvel great are still there, and sure. they just made movies. Like Taika Waititi just did Thor: Love and Thunder. He's still there. <laughs> like, well, but he didn't really make it great because, I mean, Ragnarok was okay, but Ragnarok, it wasn't, like, fantastic. That is a, you have a fringe opinion on Ragnarok. Yeah, yeah, you, yeah you're not in the majority on that one, Nathan. considered a top five Marvel movie, Nathan. Um, uh, I know a lot of people who don't like Ragnarok you, or feel they, like they they're millennials about it. I bet they're millennials. No. Uh, no, people you your have, age, uh, Mark, older than me. Like really? Peyton because, Reed yeah, has Ragnarok done all is, three of these you know, movies. Um, Ragnarok's like, even they're... sillier than a Guardians movie. Like you know, like and it worked better than it did in Love and Thunder. But like, I mean, it was. I believe still, it's like... the number three rated Marvel movie according to Rotten Tomatoes. Like, it, well, yeah, it's but I don't see that. I'm just saying, like, I don't. Even it's the... consistently considered a top five Marvel. Okay, movie. I mean that's that's fine. I mean, I, I especially <laughs> um, recently, but, I've heard a lot of people like say like, like you know, they reevaluated uh, it. I, well, that's because they're reevaluating it after love and thunder right. yeah they're yeah they're putting it in the content it's like the, it's yes. like people talking about batman and robin uh-huh going back to batman forever uh, exactly yeah yep 
I uh, think, I, but like I think... Peyton Reed is still there. Yeah. Uh, just John made Watts. this movie. John Watts is still there. Right. He's Brian make Coogler's the still Spider-Man. there. They're all like they're all still hanging around. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, but yeah. but but they I, have but what their task is different now. So and also yeah, and I would say John Favreau wrote Iron Man too. That is a mm-hmm. bad movie. <laughs> yes, exactly. I, um, I'm not worried about the future. But that wasn't his fault, though. That was taken from him. Just to be clear, just to be right. clear. There was all right, a lot of Joss Whedon did Age of Ultron. No, that movie sorry, was Ryan. dog. <laughs> like. Uh, all right, I'm not going to get into a play-by-play on Marvel. Sorry. Ryan hasn't even gotten to talk about Kang Sorry, yet, so let's let Ryan <laughs> talk about Kang. Uh, okay, yeah, I'll, I won't talk about the future talent-wise for Marvel. I feel like they're going to be okay. I mean, you know, 10 years ago, if you told me, hey, the guys that did Community are going to do uh, Winter Soldier and right. Infinity War, right. I would have been like, oh, okay, that's going to suck. <laughs> but, you know, uh, so I'm not too terribly worried about it. They're, they're, they're going to roll the dice, and sometimes they'll come up high, mm-hmm. sometimes they'll come up low. But um, as far as King goes, uh, I, I absolutely agree with you, uh, Nathan. They needed like, you know, a Tatiana Maslany uh, for for that role. Um, who can someone who can be play a hundred different versions of the same character? And I think with Jonathan Majors, they've got it. Uh, he, he he was the best thing to watch in this movie. His yeah. scenes, the what he could do with silence, what he could do with a look, was mm-hmm. phenomenal. And Without count, I'm sure we'll talk about the cameo that shouldn't have happened. Um, <laughs> it should have been him who had the relationship, the romantic relationship, uh, with the uh, with um, yeah. Janet. Mm-hmm. Um, yep. Yeah, it should have been him, or because I mean, because it was there, there was chemistry there, and it would, and obviously it would have made sense as far as they knew, they were the only two humans. Uh, and, and it would make sense around. why Janet wouldn't want to talk about it, also. Right, and that would have done more. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. So I feel like that. I don't know why. Maybe they had a reason for that. Maybe they thought that just would have been too much. But uh, he's capable of playing a tragic character and a you know terrifying character at the same time. I've heard from somebody who said that they thought that Kang was going to be like a reluctant helper at the beginning of this movie because of the way that he was being depicted in the beginning mm-hmm. as like his instance knowing that there are more variants of Kang out there that this was going to be like a friendly Kang or something along yeah. those lines and so I, that's what he can do with his performance is sort of convince you that like this guy seems reasonable, you know, like this is a guy yeah. that we can work with. Honestly, that might have been that might have been a better ending or a better movie if like they she they'd accidentally set King free without even realizing he was the conqueror at the mm. end. And then twist at the end, haha, I'm going now. I, I'm would have, I thought about yeah. that as well. I would have liked yeah, that. Yeah. yeah. That that would have been absolutely better. Um but you know, I, I'm sorry to nitpick, but you said like you had the problem with him not using his uh rays, but instead using like the force field uh to try and take out um uh was it hope? And Scott, or it was Cassie Hope and Scott. Scott. It was Hope, Hope and Scott. Scott that were coming at him at the same time. Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. But uh, see, it's, it's just it's funny how we can all see the same movie and think different things. Like in my head, that made sense because even though they're in the quantum realm and as tiny as they can possibly be, they can still shrink smaller and dodge uh, the ray guns. But that field, you can't avoid that. So that's why I kind of assumed he did that. It's just kind of like he's going to miss yeah. if he shoots lasers. Yeah, it's not a pl- it's not a focus beam. It's an area attack. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, exactly. It was, it was a tactic. <laughs> yeah, so that's that was my in my head reason for that. Although you know, obviously, it's just because we can't kill the main characters. Um, but 
I feel like and okay. I well, even... Ryan, then why, when they're lying on the ground stunned, doesn't he then use the ray gun on? Like that's that's sort of the thing. I mean, you can be cutesy like that, but I mean, like we always assume that because something's small, it's faster. But I mean, that's not also really all that true. And so it's like again, like he could have gotten them with his beam gun even at a small size, but whatever. Well, <laughs> it, it was not about them being faster; it's about them being tinier. You know, <laughs> I mean, could he even see them at that size? You no, know, I don't know. Probably. I mean, it, he's got a future generation of Doctor Doom's armor yes right. theoretically he should be able to kill them you know <laughs> but whatever you know? No. but yeah I, I i i my problem with this version of king was and i hadn't even realized it in my head until i think it was Daviar who pointed out that we had no build-up to his minutes we were just mm-hmm. told how uh terrible how you know frightening he was and so it didn't feel earned well you know? and even and the thing was- with where he doesn't go with his deal with scott was like why does he hold on to Cassie? It's like at that point, Scott's given him what he wants. It's like, yeah. just let him have yeah. Cassie. I mean, I'm hoping that what they're trying to do is knowing they're going to do Doom later is to contrast Kang with Doom. And the, one of the core things of Doom is if you can get him to make a deal, he will always yeah. adhere to the letter of whatever deal that you've and, made with him. And and that's the only thing I can see for that. Because I was like, yeah, like that actually was against his own interest because he could have had Scott just be like, whatever i got my daughter back and just go away you know like <laughs> i mean yeah that, I, I, that's literally what, what i was kind of going good to go into i feel like there were some scenes missing from this movie because mm-hmm. it didn't feel like we made a deal well no you didn't scott you were basically you know beaten into doing this mm-hmm. it, it, it didn't it didn't a lot of it didn't there were some places where it just didn't flow with kang and i'm wondering what got cut out uh that might have made it kind of uh, work out a little bit better for yeah. me. But I mean, as far as his acting goes, his performance, yes, I'm all here for Jonathan Majors as Kang and for all of Phase 5. He better show up in every single Phase 5 movie in some capacity. I, yeah, well, it's funny how often that particular comment has come up in the last two years, though, because we said the same thing about Multiverse of Madness and Love of Thunder, and now this movie is that it feels like too much was cut out of the movie. We've said this, like, and that wasn't a problem with Marvel before, but it seems like it's a problem now that they're cutting these movies down too much and getting rid of scenes that were actually important rather than getting rid of, like, whatever fat they had before. Yeah, yeah, but they're too they're they're bloated now. I mean, they're so complicated. They have to be to support every movie has to support the entire MCU, which is why this should have just been an Ant Man movie. Yeah, I don't know where the overcorrection is coming from though, because I've never heard a single person complain that the Marvel movies are too long. But now they're yeah. trying to like keep them all at about two hours exactly, whereas before they were more like two hours and twenty, two hours and thirty minutes. Right, and and, and those two hour movies feel like they've got too much in them. Yeah, they also have a streaming service now so they can accurately track data on when people drop off of movies. And Might be. Because if you're dealing with more plot it. threads, you need a longer movie. I mean, that's sort of my thing. And we're talking well, about how there's more stuff for them to do but, now. Okay. But if like... your audience stops watching after two hours, then you know you need but to But nobody's complaining about that. I've never heard a single person complain the movies are too long. Not Marvel movies. I've never heard anyone well, say it. Uh, so so my conspiracy theory to that, and you know, actually maybe Mark can speak to this, is I'm sure there's a, a number, uh, a length time of the movie where you get where you can't have another showing in a theater, and then that's money lost. Yeah, um, it's it's so- it's just it's just the physics of it, right? You know, mm-hmm, uh, you yeah. need uh, a minimum of 15 minutes between show times to uh, to let the projectors cool. Uh, that's n- kind of non-negotiable. And uh, and then, you know, you also have got to go in and at least do a spot clean of the theater and that you can you used to could do that 
uh, like right after about 30 seconds of credits when people would get up, but now they stay until the end. <laughs> mm-hmm. And so, yeah. Uh, yeah. so only a few people get up and they'll go to the bathroom, but then they'll come right back to so, their so seat. So Mark, do you guys actually get actual film cans still, or do you just plug no, in no, like no, a no, DVD it's... drive or like a drive or something and just like plays? It comes on a, it comes on a, a rectangular hard drive mm-hmm. that's about this big. And you uh, still need it to cool because I figured like if you need to cool down, it would be to like protect the film so it doesn't burn up or whatever. But you still no, need it's the, the lamps. Cool. Oh, yeah, it's okay. the, lamps. The, the lamps are the lamps are the lamps, you know. Mm-hmm. And so um, that feels like that could be designed better. But OK, that, <laughs> engineering brain is worrying. But all right. That many lumens uh, is going to throw off energy. And even though they're easier to cool now mm-hmm. uh, and they don't uh, they they run a little bit cooler per se. Uh, because you don't have the mechanical uh, nature on top of it. You just have the program and your hard drive is elsewhere. Mm-hmm. So that that's fine, but it's, it's still, yeah, you need a minimum. Like it, like w- when I get, um, when I get a, an average Marvel movie, I have to do it. I have to program it in three hour and 15 minute chunks because mm. you need, you need at least 45 minutes to, to do all the cleaning. Cause you've got a full house and then, you know, the, the and the cool down time is in that. So, so it does, it, do, it can limit show times, but I don't think that affects the box office quite as much because I mean, you know, end game was, was practically a weekend stay at Bernie's for crying out loud. I mean, you had to bring a, <laughs> you had to bring a, a sleeping bag for, for those. <laughs> and, and, and it didn't affect the box office at all. Uh, people people will stay for a two and a half hour long movie, especially if it doesn't feel like a two and a half hour long movie, right? Yeah. Mm-hmm. But um, I think maybe the haste is. I, I've always felt that Disney had a problem with listening to people on Twitter. Uh, I think one of the biggest problems facing Hollywood right now is Twitter, and uh, this notion that Twitter is more than what it actually is it speaks for all of us now. yeah 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 this notion that it's sort of like the the microcosm of of the world when in fact it's anything but but i feel like they're trying to get to something quicker than than having it happen organically you know what i mean yeah um there's it almost it almost would have been better and I'm, I'm I'm Monday morning uh, quarterback in this whole thing. It almost would have been better if they had kept the adult current superheroes in their movies per se that we have been getting, starting with uh, Doctor Strange and Thor, um, and and now Ant Man, and if they had taken all of the teenage superheroes, including Ironheart and turned them into short form Disney plus series, the same length as Ms. Marvel. I think you, I, because you could have, you would have had the real estate uh, to, to, to have each of those characters uh, develop you'd get their personality, you'd get their backstory, you'd get their friends, you'd get their well, their problems. You could have cameos with the adults. Like they did with Kate Bishop and Hawkeye. 
Well, you know, and the thing is, is there wasn't a lot of heavy lifting for Hawkeye to do. Uh, yeah. So to Kate Bishop and Hawkeye was a perfect example. I mean, you know, that's, you know, uh, it's a, that was a low stakes story that, uh, and, and I think we can all agree that the low stakes Marvels are almost always uniformly wonderful. You could have, you could have done low stakes movies for most of these characters, including Cassie. And you could have done Cassie. She could have been an activist uh, and you could, that could have been a whole plot. That could have been a thing, you know, when she realizes that, you know, the, the guys that they're protesting against, you know, she has to, she has to use her powers just like her dad did. And, and that was something that the movie did do well, it made it very clear that she was her dad's, she was her father's kid, mm -hmm. right? Mm -hmm. uh, she, she, you know, as much as they tried to have her not grow up to be, she's exactly like him. So, I mean, I think you could have gotten more out of, I think the, first of all, the movies wouldn't have been as cluttered. Uh, Cause you wouldn't have had an extra character with an extra stuff to kind of deal with, but you could have let them develop onto their own and then, and then just run them into a movie. You could have, you could, this might not have worked. You could have had all of the young Avengers each have a series on Disney plus and then take them straight to a movie. I don't know if that would have worked the same way as it would have worked with phase one, but there's a lot of, there's more ways to, to introduce these characters than just making a Dagwood sandwich out of the existing storylines, because that Dagwood sandwich, you know, like it's great that you can pilot that high, but when you tell me, what do you think of the pastrami? There's pastrami in this. All I got was that I, I taste the mayonnaise and I, I, I think there's bologna, but where's the pastrami? It's right there in the middle next to the Swiss cheese. There's Swiss cheese in this sandwich. You can't tell. It's just, it's just a melange, you know, the a problem. The, the problem is uh, Disney knows that TV audience and the streaming audience is fractional. It, it's a fraction of what they get for the movie. So if it you're is. going to set up your your big generational shift from adult Avengers to young Avengers, you can't just relegate them to Disney Plus because you not enough people are going to have eyeballs on it. I, so I, like that's that's why I yeah. think that's the mechanics behind why a lot of them are introduced. And, and granted, like important plot points happen on Disney Plus. Don't get me wrong, but most of the Marvel movies that have picked up off of a Disney Plus series usually do a pretty good job of summarizing what happened and, and getting the finer points of what you need to know to understand the thing into the yeah. movie. Um, Multiverse of Madness did that. I think it's one of the best things the movie does <laughs> yeah. well i i think i think there's probably like black panther 2 did not need riri in it but they put her there and i'm sure somewhere on kevin's desk there's an equation there's a number of we're gonna get x amount of new subscriptions on disney plus by having riri williams appear here first before iron heart comes out on disney plus and it's about money i, th I thought she made sense in the movie i, I was fine with her presence there yeah I mean, I mean it was fine they made it work but they, they didn't have to it was yeah it could have yeah yeah i felt that she was the most superfluous of the younger characters that we've had in a movie although to be fair though if if by More getting superfluous than america uh, i mean america the whole movie kind of revolves <laughs> yeah, around america yeah, so she's, like, she she's was the MacGuffin of that movie, of that movie. 100%. um but but yeah, like uh, I mean but but here jd i'll sell it to you if getting rid of riri also got rid of val 
like <laughs> is that more palatable for you because i know that you were oh no you weren't the one that was so big on that uh when we talked about black panther it was tom mm -hmm. that was so big on mm -hmm. val being the problem with that movie um but really <laughs> yeah yeah well she's not funny and julia lee dreyfus thinks she is funny but oh god every <laughs> she cr i cringe every time she's on screen she's she's so bad <laughs> in that role but anyway um but uh but yeah my, my suggestion was they should have just had riri visit wakanda to get riri into the movie rather than doing that whole like trip to america thing that like gave us the cia and val and all that junk because it did distract from the movie but anyway we're not talking about black panther we're not talking about black panther <laughs> so all right so we're talking about young avengers we're talking about cassie like did you like cassie though i mean like that's sort of the yeah. thing like i want to talk about a little bit more of we've been talking about what she did but like you know and and again there is the whole controversy about her being recast from the actress who played her in endgame i don't know if anyone has feelings about this i know some people on on online are getting really uh bent out of shape about this uh because it seems the other actress was just kind of unceremoniously dropped um but uh but yeah so um ryan what do you think about cassie um fine okay. uh I, I i honestly honestly i didn't i i don't know how i even missed that I, I, I about her being recast i mean but now that you say it I, i'm like oh my gosh yes obviously um but that it's not the first time and it won't be the last time that marvel recasts i i don't really as long as it works as long as there's a reason for it as long as um you know the the characters play I, I'm, I'm fine with it uh her character was the only thing i the only problem my biggest problem with her and i get i'm at this point in time I'm just over it, but I don't know why everyone has to be a super freaking genius. I mean, she's designed, you know, quantum realm sonar. Have you, know? you read comics, or... Ryan? Because <laughs> yeah. there's a disproportionate number of geniuses within the superhero yeah. community, particularly Marvel. I, yeah, Marvel is built get, on I... on gifted and talented program. <laughs> Apparently, you know, I, I I get I get that her father, you know, uh, is an engineer, and I get that apparently her quote unquote grandfather is Hank Pym. So I get like, yeah, she's gonna be smart. <laughs> but like she just in, in her spare time, she whipped together, yeah, this device that can be misappropriated into into a by tunnel into the quantum realm. By herself. <laughs> okay. You know? I, I, Which... All right. I will bring up the thing that bothered me most was not that she built the device, that she was able to to rebuild a device within minutes of the, her restoring to normal size so that she could get her father out of there, that it only took her we minutes. No, no, no. So I brought that up with my wife. I said, well, maybe it was one of those time dilation things. And she yeah. said, no, they're wearing the same clothes. And so I was like, oh, crap, you got me. <laughs> That's because they've been working at it nonstop. You don't know what they smell like. <laughs> well, she said, like, Janet was still in her, like, quantum realm gear and everything. I don't notice those kinds of details, but my wife does. She's like, because that was her big thing complaining at if we left the movie was, like, she fixed it when it caught on fire. Like, she's, like, you know, like, had, like, an explosion. She just fixes it within minutes. And I'm like, yeah, okay. Maybe, maybe she built two. I, <laughs> <laughs> I, I mean, you know, over the course of the Ant-Man movies and through Endgame, the quantum tunnels have been getting smaller and smaller and smaller. I mean, and the next one, it's literally just going to be a watch. Yeah, so I don't, yeah. <laughs> my, um, uh, my, my thing with that was, uh, at the end of the last movie, weren't they all talking about exploring the quantum realm together? And then this movie, Janet is suddenly like, oh no, that's a problem. Don't do that. Like, 
there, Although there I was a, glad that they explained what Janet was because like Janet shows up with her like, you know, like post-apocalyptic gear. And yeah. you know, you start asking, like, wait, where did she get these new clothes? How did she eat? What's all of that? And I was like, I'm glad that they established that there is more to the quantum realm, or whatever, because it didn't make a whole lot of sense in Ant-Man and the Wasp when she made it sound like it was nothing there. The thing that makes no sense, and I, I this is more about Janet than Kathy, but is Janet's quantum powers in Ant-Man and the Wasp, the first one, she you know waves her hands over Ghost's uh, head and like instills her with quantum power to heal her sickness, and then like she literally says, "I evolved in the quantum realm," and that's just I guess we've completely forgotten about that. Uh, yeah, once she restored the size, it was just temporary, and then it went away. Like I'm fine with that because that was dumb in the first place. <laughs> just ignore it. <laughs> okay. <laughs> All right, yeah, like, J.D., what do you think about Cassie? Uh, Cassie's one personality trait is dad. Uh, so that's that's fun. Um, or dad, you know? Yeah, it, it's one of the two, but uh, I don't know if you know this, but uh, Scott Lang cares about his daughter, and Cassie cares about her dad. <laughs> and that is their two character traits in the movie. Um it's fine. Uh, the actress is fine. I'm gonna agree to disagree with that. Yeah, because Cassie's I'm, very much in, like into I'm oversimplifying because I yeah. I didn't like I didn't think that they were well written, very deep characters. Mm. I, I'm I'm just being hyperbolic. Um, <laughs> but uh, yeah, I mean the actress is fine. I I don't think they gave her a lot to work with, but mm. she's fine. She's good in the role. Uh, I I liked her stuff in san francisco way more than i did once we all got down to the quantum realm um but out, outside of that like i like some of the relationships that she formed down there i thought her uh her relationship with the uh the kind of like the leader of the the rebels was was a fun relationship um yeah she's she's okay uh inoffensive okay yeah we'll go with that all well, right. I mean, except for calling someone a dick ten times in a row. But, you know. <laughs> I mean, she's a kid. That's like they have two words. It's fine. Um, no, again, my my problem with that is that it works. <laughs> yeah, Daviar. Yeah, I, I I just don't understand her. I mean, it's it's. I was so I'm okay with seeing the daughter kind of take on the mantle and, and potentially set that up. But just the way that they make it where she's got this conflict with him and is judging him for not doing anything anymore. You know, I mean, I, I wish they, that that could have actually been something again, the writing, like maybe Scott has kind of like lost his way and, and, and has kind of become like this ego jerk and, or because now he's, he was always the little guy and now he's this famous celebrity because he saved the world. And maybe there's something there where she's trying to bring him back to who he is. You could have done something like that, but this notion of yeah. my God, dad, like you saved the world. How many times are we going to hear about that? You know, I just like, you can't just, you can't write a character to say something like that and then expect us to side with that character. Like who sees Scott like that? And I, I do. 
Good. <laughs> yeah, Scott, that man needs to get knocked now? down a peg or two. I, I do want to just put in here that Marvel Please. has actually published Scott's book that he's reading in the movie. Oh, like they've no. actually like made a book of Scott's memoirs of being an Avenger. Is the audiobook read by Paul Rudd? Otherwise... I have no I, I mean I didn't look that deeply into it, but I did That'd confirm cool. when I saw the article, I did go to Amazon to confirm that it was there and it is. So yeah <laughs> yeah i mean outside of that yeah it, it's it's i i don't think i i never get fully drawn into cassie because i feel that so much of what they do with the character is just is, is very forced so it's it's yeah it's it's a throwaway for me i i really i i really just i'm very apathetic to what they did with it and i wish they could have yeah. done more to truly make her stand next to dad and and truly be an equal hero uh i think in a more organic way uh and, and yeah so i just i just thought everything was just very uh cliff notes version of she's a hero now and she's a super genius now and 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 she's an activist, you know, and it's just they're, they're all just surface things that don't really let me know uh, who Cassie truly is as a person or why she cares about any of this. And just and 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 I don't know. And, and it's also like Kathy was such a central part to that first movie and his motivation and to kind of see where they where it is now. I just didn't kind of buy what they were trying to do. I didn't buy with where that relationship is now. It doesn't feel I don't feel them trying to pick up the pieces after these five years. And, you know, it's just, I, I don't know. I mean, and then to say, yeah, you, you're so good at being gone. I'm just like, is that really where we are now? Is that really where we are in, th in this part of the story? So it just, I, I, it's a bad writing again, just kind of failing who the characters are and who they could be. Yeah, I do feel like we were dipping a little bit into CW like style writing yeah. here with the, yeah, right. seven, with the not telling somebody that would solve like a huge amount of our problem. Like even when they're stuck in the quantum ring and she knows the realm and she knows that Kang's the one that took them there. She's still not going no. to tell them for like half the movie, no. like who he is no. and what's going and, on. And it's just like, don't worry, don't worry, Nathan. And and, and Scott's not going to tell the rest of the Avengers about it either. Because, <laughs> <you> know, nope. <laughs> yeah. No. All right, Mark. I'm pretty sure I know, but briefly tell us your uh, tell us your thoughts on Cassie. Well, <clears throat> when she first appears in the comics, uh, the whole reason why Scott uh, grabs the Ant Man suit is because she's uh, sick and needs an experiment, uh, an experimental surgery done that would save her life. And the the guy that, the, the doctor that can do it has basically been kidnapped by by Cross and, uh, and she's working on him instead. And so um, he's always been, he every he's always been you know like i'm doing this for my daughter i i've never had a problem with that motivation i um i agree with uh davier that um uh the conflict is was really uneven and uh i would much rather if i'd much rather i thought initially when she gets you know when they bail her out of jail that i i thought that that was more of a uh, you, you know, you're acting up, you're rebelling. I would have rather her be sullen for about halfway through it and then choose the quantum realm to basically unload on what's been bothering her, you know, and, and that would have at least, it might not have been, um, um, uh, it might not have been, been as sincere, but it would have at least given her a better arc, 
right? And then they use the second half of the movie to try and, you know, work out their differences. And at some point she realizes, you know, that he's not an idiot, you know, uh, like most teenagers do, you know, there's a point at which they realize that their parents are, are absolutely not stupid. Um, and, and you know, that she gets it in the costume is, is fine. I have a pro I've always had a problem with the name stinger. I thought it was lazy, <laughs> but I can't fix that, but I'm okay with seeing her going forward if they'll lean into the sort of green arrow uh, early Scott Lang sort of uh, relationship, you know, in the rest of the young Avengers, I'm trying to think of these characters that they're bringing in. Now I'm trying to think of them in terms of how that team is going to assemble and what it's going to look like when it's done. And mm -hmm. so um, it, it's hard for me to comment on the here and now because this was the first time I've seen this actress in the role. I could care less that they uh, recast it. That is a that's a nothing burger. There's no reason mm -hmm. in the world to get upset about that. Uh, it's ridiculous. And um, so I think uh, you know if, if you know going forward, that's that's the way uh, they're going to play her. I, I'm okay with it. Uh, I was hoping they were going to use Stature instead of Stinger as her like hero name. Well, yeah, she didn't say what it was in the movie, no, so we don't she know didn't. yet. They're... Stature? Mm -hmm. <laughs> That's, That's the giant worse. man. That's the That's giant worse. man. <laughs> oh, my God. That's her name in the comics. I don't know what to tell you. Well, they're wrong in the comics, and I can put the boy down. <laughs> oh my god! <laughs> yeah, so so for me, like all this is kind of weird and surreal. Thank because... you, JD, for killing my dreams. Just... Yeah, well, I'm, I'm, that's what <laughs> I'm on the podcast the destroyer for. Destroyer of it's, I, it's normally Daviar's dreams that I destroy. Today it's yours. <laughs> Man. So yeah, like when I when I read comics, like Scott Lang was an adjunct Fantastic Four character, and yeah. Cassie was the love interest of Kristoff, uh, the heir of Doom. Uh, so like that was, <laughs> that's what I think. We're, I like, didn't read 11, that. That would have pissed me off. 11 hey, or 12 know. year old, 11 or 12 year old girl, you know, that has this other young child, you know, like, like he's kind of infatuated with her. Um, although Christoph was awesome because like he has doom's brain, like downloaded into him. So he like, he like talks like he's like, you know, an adult and everything. I just love him. But anyway, well Maybe uh, she can be the love interest for Iron Lads. For that yeah, version. If, we, if we get him, because that'll fill up the team. Has anyone noticed the fact that uh, this movie is called Ant-Man and the Wasp, and none of us have talked about the Wasps yet at well, all? Well, yeah, no, we're going to... any way, shape, or form. We're, we're going we're gonna to talk about... We're going to talk about that. I mean, she hasn't come up organically in conversation yet. <laughs> That's my point. She has nothing to do. Mm -hmm. Yeah, no, I mean, I think I think the idea of Cassie is just fine because like we haven't had a character uh, yet in the sort of young Avengers type characters that they're, you know, debuting in these movies yet that this sort of like, um, you know, um, social justice warrior, you know, activist, you know, kind of character. And so like that sort of rounds up the team. But like it just also wasn't a literal like child of one of the Avengers. Right, exactly. And so. I think I think from a conceptual standpoint, I think Cassie and how they're using Cassie works. It's just as has been mentioned. I feel like the writing and the dynamic wasn't there that could have really sold her to like, you know, you see um, you see uh, 
Oh God. Uh, sorry guys. My uh, Yelena, you see Yelena mm-hmm. like right off. You absolutely love Yelena. Like Yelena, like the Yelena was written well, her, you know, uh, relationships, you know, work well, like the way that the actress like interacts her charisma and everything works well. And like, you're instantly sold on Yelena, but like we have, you know, Cassie and you don't get that. You don't get that same sort of like feeling, of you know just like yeah like this is this is somebody that i can get behind you know and i just i don't know it's just it just doesn't work for me yet uh and i feel like of all the various young characters that they've introduced she's the one that works the least um just because there there, there's not a whole lot there um but uh but yeah i mean to to jd's point and I don't want to talk about each of these characters individually just because we are getting kind of long uh, here anyway. And uh, because I feel like they were kind of underserved by this movie, all four of them. Let's talk about the Pym extended family um, with Hank and Janet and uh, Scott and uh, Hope um, in this movie. Um, like you've mentioned, Janet's got the most to to do here, but I'm gonna I'm gonna talk about Michael Douglas for a minute because I feel like he's been kind of undervalued and uh, by these movies historically, and I feel like even though he doesn't get a lot to do, what he does in this movie is really good. He he's got the comic chops. You know, and his sort of reactions mm. to things are funny, are genuinely funny as sort of like, you know, the sort of deadpan and sort of straight man kind of delivery of things. I like that. And I like at the end because I kept saying, like, it just felt right at the beginning of the movie that I was like, the ants are going to save them. Mm-hmm. I was like, his obsession with ants is going to. And I that was the thing that got me excited. Like most of the rest of that fighting at the end, it wasn't all that great. But then it's like when the ants show up, I'm like, yes. Because, you know, obviously it's all comic booky. They've got technology and they're giant compared to everything else and everything. But if you have seen videos of what an ant colony can do, you know, you know yeah. that ants can just devastate things. They can just, you know, like they work together, they tear things apart, they get to their goal, all that kind of stuff. So it's like it, it just feels I kind of right. Of that, yeah. yeah, I know, I know you've studied <laughs> ants, Ryan. That's why it's important important to point out that it wasn't Scott that beat Kang. It was a bunch of ants that beat Kang. Mm. Right. And that's I mean, better. fundamentally, yes. No, no, and I agree with that. Except <laughs> that then we still have the fight at the end. <laughs> that is scott but that that's that's kang with a broken suit whose technology is no longer working that's just a dude at that point i will say that we didn't say this yet but i like the fact that they showed that kang even without his suit is like a force to be reckoned with oh yeah and because it was like yeah you've got like little scott who's like he's just like some guy you know oh scott got his asb (laughs) (laughs) against this guy who actually is a warrior who has trained in combat and so Mm -hmm. i was glad that they showed that um and yeah and that's why i still feel like that ending should have been just different somehow to like for sure it wasn't an overwhelming victory um but uh but yeah so um mark what do you think about the the pym extended family i think that uh michael douglas and michelle pfeiffer have great chemistry they're veteran actors mm-hmm. they can do this in their sleep um i really like evangeline Lilly uh as hope i i love their relationship in the first in, actually i've liked her relationship with michael douglas in all the movies mm. um i don't have a problem with it um i i'm really glad again that we avoided the original incarnations of hank and and janet van dyne i think that would have been disastrous 
uh, and, and wouldn't have worked. So uh, I'm, I don't have a problem with, with this. Um, I, I think they've done a lot of work to make PIM uh, kind of behind the scenes cool uh, mm. throughout the various movies. I think that's been a, a, a really neat thing. And so that character is informed by, by what we know of, of his history, you know, we, you know, and, and so that's, that was a really, um, that's a clever way to get a lot more story in, uh, with just a couple of scenes. Um, I really felt that, that they were not really, uh, you know, I, again, he put his hands in goo for 15 minutes, <laughs> you know, and just stood there and, and did this. You know, that, that was his weakest scene in the movie. And had to pretend like. like he was flying something. I just, I, it, it was appalling. He yeah. made a lot of money to do that. I know, I know, I know. Everybody, everybody's got a boat payment to make. I get yeah. that. And I'm sure, I'm sure he counted his 20s all the way to the bank. None of that is in dispute. I'm just saying, you know, it's, it's sort of like, um, it's sort of like hiring James Earl Jones to record your outgoing answering machine message. <laughs> Yeah, you oh, can do dude, it. if I could do that, I would totally do that. <laughs> For the amount of money that it would cost, you certainly could do it, but wouldn't you rather have him read a bedtime story or or uh recreate all of the Star Wars dialogue from memory or something more befitting oh, his use of time and talent than, you know, uh you know, uh Nathan can't come to the phone right now. I mean, it's, you know, it's <laughs> that like, would be an awesome answering machine it's message. Like, it, you got it. This is Michael Douglas telling you to wear a condom it's just <laughs> you know what are we doing here this guy's got his hands in goo for crying out loud and and not only that but it's it's made it it's been made clear that these are living organisms right these are you know these are bio you know uh biometric or bioluminescent organisms so he's putting his hands in a living thing and and you know using his ant like telepathy brain to they drink a living thing in this movie too it's fine again when paul rudd does it by all means because paul rudd uh you know wore a a a cologne called panther sweat in you know anchorman when michael douglas does it it's sort of you know i'm i guarantee oh michael douglas has done some bad movies he has done some bad movies but he's been great he's been austere if not dignified in the in the in all of the marvel movies that he's been in what i'm saying is 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 he didn't have to be the one driving the ship you know you yeah i don't know who you would have given it to actually who you could have given it to is how about the woman that spent 30 years there just for and giggles i don't know maybe you know instead of her saying honey honey here's how you do it here honey honey do it this way no push him aside drive the ship then you know? are we not having the same conversation about like, wow, all Michelle Pfeiffer did was stick her hands in goo and drive the ship around? <laughs> I might have been happy, but at least she would have known to stick her hands in the goo. And that's the difference. Knowing, as we all know, is half the battle. Huh. <laughs> well, I just felt like Hank was smart enough that he could figure out like how to like, you know, use the goo. So I didn't really have a problem <laughs> with that part of it. But like, um, Ryan, so uh, yes. Okay, go ahead. Tell us how even giant ants can destroy a city um, it, you know, with your with your ant knowledge. <laughs> I, I wasn't going to say that they w- couldn't destroy a city. I, I was going to say that they would have. 
I mean, with that level of technology, um, now granted they've only had a thousand years to evolve, but um, as far as their giantness go, well, they've been around for millions of years. Yeah. Um, as far as the giantness goes, I just kind of assumed that they just didn't shrink down as far as the rest of them. Like I didn't assume that right. they evolved to be yeah. giant. No, I no, no. I don't think that's part of the evolution. It was no, they didn't shrink down as much. But no, the thing is. They would have conquered the entire quantum realm by that point with that level of technology. <laughs> they, they they wouldn't make friends. They should have arrived in the quantum realm and everyone and everything. If they've been there for a thousand years, literally, uh, when when anyone got there, it should have just been ants and nothing else. Maybe <laughs> maybe the humans would still be there domesticated as the ants' pant pets, but that's that's the only way it would make any <laughs> sense whatsoever. Um, it just no, that doesn't track. These are friendly ants, Ryan. But what if, what if, what if, whenever they got there, three or four of the ants landed with them, and Hank Pym turned to one of them and said, "Execute Order 66," and the ant <laughs> right, ran off. Yeah, right. Ryan. Ryan, these ants already were smart enough to develop their own technology in the macroscopic right. world. So you're presupposing these ants would have an attitude of the same of like ordinary ants, whereas these are already like hyper evolved or hyper they're they're uh, enhanced ants in some way. So like they could be they could be more <laughs> altruistic in their goals. Yeah, if you're related to them, they will. They will absolutely, you know, they will die. When when an ant colony floods, they drown the eggs to protect the queen. So yeah, I mean they 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 have no problem like killing themselves to help out each other. But uh they're they don't give a crap. If you're not related to them, you are dead or you are I'm a just farm saying animal. your experiences <laughs> with ordinary ants, these are hyper intelligent right. ants that have developed a society. So yes. you know. <laughs> Anyway, this is anyway, the level we've They might have developed homes. diplomacy skills <laughs> along the way of their intelligence, you know, this like is where we reached. All right, but yeah, Ryan, talk about the Pym extended family. I will gladly. Uh what I'm going to say about that is and I this is um, this is a good thing. Uh um I will give credit to the movie for this. This movie was called Ant-Man and the Wasp, and that could have been Scott Lang and Hope or it could have been Hank and Janet. Uh, at, basically, at any point in time, any of either one could be Ant Man, either one could be the Wasp. Um, they it, it didn't feel like, uh, oh my gosh, I'm the retired version of this character now. Mm -hmm. uh, it was Hank controlling the ants. It was Janet kicked more ass than Hope did in this movie. At one point, you know, we saw Michelle Pfeiffer, you know, doing cartwheels and rolling and coming up and you know, blasting and cutting, you know, and, and so um, they felt as much like the superheroes, like almost like they had in the quantum realm to a certain degree reassumed the mantles their old mantles you got to see them work together you got to see them have an adventure and i've been saying since the flashback in the first ant-man movie and this movie made me want it even more um and i think mark kind of said something along these lines i want an 80s version of the mcu i want them to go back and fill in the gap and i want to see michael douglas's ant-man and michelle pfeiffer's wasp having adventures together uh and this uh, yeah, I mean, when it was I all would, covert yeah. When it was all yeah. like, you know, yeah, the world can never know about all this. Exactly. Mm -hmm. Working for S.H.I.E.L.D. That would that would be a great standalone or series. I don't care how they do it, but I want that. And um, so I really feel like uh, they shined. Um, now, there were a few problems. There was a, a the, the cameo and a few other issues, um, but that was just the setting itself. Um, but as far as the extended family, Douglas and all of them, I'm here for it. But did you really feel that Hope was prominent enough that she could count as the Wasp in this? Because I feel like that was the main problem is Hope was, like, really sidelined in this movie. Like, Well, 
mostly yes but that's a lot of it is there's just so much going on in this movie and up through the whole movie i thought well she's got nothing to do but then for what it's worth she pulled it out at the end because mm. she came back and she saved scott he was about to be killed by kang and then boom, she zooms in and she and the two of them together are what um saved the day so uh yeah at the very end, I, I think she put they, they wouldn't have won without her. And to oh, and to the point you made earlier about um, it should have ended with them trapped in the quantum realm. Um, yeah, that would have made sense, but I think that was just too much echoing what happened at the end of you know the first Ant Man and the Wasp movie with that with Scott getting trapped in the quantum realm. Sorry, right, we've already done that. Um, well, I would argue this is more like this is more like the first movie because they get them out, which, the, you know, Scott gets out of the corner, whereas if they're actually stuck, stuck, that is different, you know, because then it's like Cassie is now on her own with just well, with Grandpa Hank and, and you know, what, a, you know, Janet. But you that's know. my point. If, if this if this ended with Scott and uh, Hope trapped in the quantum realm, how is that any different than how? The first Ant Man and the Wasp movie ended with Scott stuck in the. Oh, Wasp the movie. first Ant Man and the Wasp. Oh, okay, it's the second yeah. movie. Oh, the okay. Movie. Your nomenclature is yeah. wrong, Ryan. But anyway, no, it's not. No, it's not. <laughs> it's Ant Man two, even if they call it Ant Man and the Wasp. So I mean, like, yeah, no, let's not, let's not split that hair. But like, <laughs> all right, I see what you're saying. I see what you're saying there. But yeah, I don't know. I I just. So there needed to be some cost, and I don't think that we. Got I agree, it. and well, Michael Douglas has said if he comes back as Hank, he'll only come back as Hank Pym if they kill him. So maybe they should have done it here. Yeah, yeah, mm -hmm. I, I've heard actors say this before, and then another yeah. truckload <laughs> of cash shows up on their yard, and they do another movie past the one they said was going to be their last movie. So, well, because yeah, yachts are expensive, <laughs> right? Exactly. Now, Michael Douglas is old enough, and he has enough stuff that he's done that maybe that's actually true like if they do another one he does you know they kill him off but since he said it publicly too though like i'm sure like the feeling would be like well we can't kill you off in this one because everybody's expecting it so i don't know um i don't know <laughs> if they'd be able to persuade him not to but um all right but uh jd what did you think about the uh pym extended family i mean I, I agree i don't think hope really had enough to do in this movie and spends most of it sidelined um i uh, I mean, honestly, Hank kind of until the end doesn't have a lot to do in this movie either. Um, I mean, the, the movie is is much more of a vehicle of uh, uh, for Cassie and and for Kang than it is, I think, pretty much anyone else. And that's fine. Um, but I, I just I think in in that we don't have enough time with uh with hope especially i think is the one that stands out the most but um yeah I, that that's that's kind of it i think a lot of them didn't have much much use or much time throughout a good chunk of the movie uh they do kind of pick it up at the end but I would argue for Hank, though, that's actually really well in keeping with how he was depicted in the oh, first sure. two movies where oh, he's definitely. in the background, but he's thinking the whole time. Like he comes up with like plans or like is thinking three or four steps ahead of everybody else and will show up with like, all right, this is what we're doing. You know, like whether it's, you know, he had a tank in his back pocket or, you know, whatever, like, you know, Hank's always got something, you know, up his sleeve. So I, I felt like that worked for him, whereas hope has always been like, you know, this really up front and center, you know, like force within these movies and for her to be sidelined, that's the part that felt unnatural. Mm -hmm. Yeah, uh, for sure. I, I feel that. All right. Daviar. 
Yeah, I'm sorry to disappoint. I don't have much to say at all. I I, I really <laughs> don't think. It, it, yes, I mean they're quality actors, and 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 you know, and I don't. I think Michelle Pfeiffer showed up game to to play in this movie. And even if Michael Douglas is even phoning it in, it's still a good performance. But but it's like I don't. There wasn't anything that that I really grabbed onto. There wasn't anything that made me go yes when they or or any kind of. I don't really think. Yeah, and, and it was fun to kind of see Janet kind of, you know, in her first experience with Kang, but then we've already talked about the silliness of this whole movie just ends if she or has a very different turn of events if she just informs people that there is this person here, this entity that we need to be mindful of. So I don't know. I I, I and and I've I've said I, I think what they do with Evangeline Lilly is just is just horrendous because she's I mean, you literally forget she's in the movie. It stretches. Even when she's on screen, she's literally not saying dialogue or just like she's it, it's it's really crazy, like how how she's been reduced to just a sideline. Character. She's there to react to what everybody else is doing. Yes. It yeah. literally literally with facial reactions, just like right. looks. Oh, oh, oh. So and it's just it, it's I, I don't know what happened with that. I don't know if 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 what happened behind the scenes that led to all of her stuff being on the cutting room floor, which is what it feels like, because I can't believe she looked at that script and said, this is all I get to say. So, but yeah, so it's just, I, I don't think anybody was bad. I just don't, I just don't think they added anything to the movie for me to walk away from and then have any kind of commentary on it. It's, oh. it's, you know, it's, it's, it's Paul Rudd and it's Cassie and it's, and it's Modoc and, and Kang. Those, those are who the movie is focused on. Yeah. All right, so Daviar, I got two more questions. That's so, the, so I'll start with you with this next one. Okay, what the quantum realm itself? What yeah. did you feel like? Did you feel like it was fleshed out enough? Like, did you care about the characters within it? And is it a place you would like to visit again, like in a future movie? With you know, would you like that more with the quantum? Did it leave you wanting more? Basically, it, well, it left me wanting a lot more because I don't understand it. I don't understand uh, how you survive here. I don't understand how Michelle Pfeiffer was here for thirty years and came out looking beautiful. I don't understand. <laughs> I, I don't understand how you breathe oxygen here. I don't understand. <laughs> I don't understand the rules. Mm. And with any world that I'm in, I have to kind of understand what the rules are for me to be invested in it. And a place like the quantum realm, which has all of these different components to it, I just want the world to be defined more. I want to understand what the risks are. Mm. I want to understand that we can't touch this that's fungus juice and if you touch it it'll dissolve your body I, I just i just there's so much you can do in creating a world like that and i feel that all of that was just skimmed over like what does it mean for someone to live here for years on end what does it mean for a civilization to be here in the quantum realm like how do you do that so it's it's for for a movie that tries to have this kind of very heavy science undertone to it uh i thought like something that could have been the most science and the most interesting was the most undercooked so i, I it left a lot for me to want to want to see more of and by the way, I do want to explain really quick because Mark kind of alluded to it, but like, so Marvel used to have uh, several books, uh, comic books that were based off of Hasbro toys. And one of those books was the Micronauts, um, which was uh, a, a group of Hasbro toys that, that these characters existed in what's called a microverse. And the odd thing is, unlike other licensed properties that Marvel has done comics with, they actually integrated them into their universe. So there's characters like Rom Space Knight, who isn't one of the Micronauts, but is a Hasbro character. And there were the Micronauts 
Micronauts and all these other things that would interact with the regular Marvel characters and would affect their books. And so now that they no longer have that Hasbro license, it feels like this really weird gap in Marvel because there are these characters and situations that were very influential to how other characters reacted that they can't refer to anymore. So the Micronauts and the Microverse is something that they can't use anymore. So to have sort of the same... four Four of the characters were original. Uh, they just can't use any of the. They, they've they've copyrighted Bug and um, uh, Prince uh, Aractus, and I, I forget who the other ones are, but uh, they they own those. They mm. just don't own like a Croyer and Baron Carza and all that. Right. So so the reason why like so they're able to use certain aspects of the microverse in in marvel stuff and that's you know they can do this quantum realm which is basically the microverse with some of the characters that would you know that came from the microverse but they can't refer to it as the microverse or those characters that were owned by hasbro so i just wanted to kind of explain that though also as the sort of thing to sort of explain what's what's going on there um but ryan what do you think about the uh, quantum realm i thought uh honestly um Visually, I thought it was stunning. I, you know, I was really worried I was going to get, you know, that CG fatigue, uh, but I mm. didn't. Um, uh, it, it, none of it felt obviously special effects. I, I think we're finally at a place now where, where it, it doesn't bother me. Or of course, this could just be that I think the last movie I saw before this was the second Avatar. So maybe after coming out of that, uh, this wasn't as uh, egregious. But uh, no, I mean, I thought visually it was done. I thought the special effects were fine. Um, I will give Marvel credit for actually writing in a mechanism so that they could speak English. Because mm-hmm. um, they could have just as easily gone down there, had everyone and everything speak English, and not even bother to explain why or how. And we just, we would all, we would have rolled with it. Yeah, it reminded it. me of um, uh, Hitchhiker's <laughs> Guide to the Galaxy, except for putting, instead yeah. of putting something in your ear, you're drinking it. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, they could have totally, you know, Stargate, Stargate SG-1 it, it but they didn't. So um, I'll, I'll give them credit. Although, honestly, it would have made a little bit more sense uh, for them to like the the telepath should have been who they drink that would have made more sense but whatever um otherwise i mean i'm not really if they revisit the quantum realm if they do any more with that just don't do it with ant-man you know i mean uh it was fine it just it that's it, it, it was interesting and i enjoyed it it just like i said it just felt like two properties forced together mm. okay mark what do you think about the quantum realm well, I, I'll go so far as to say that uh, I think uh, I think it's pretty obvious that they're going to take all the various uh, other places over the the first you know forty years of the Marvel universe, like the negative zone, and it's all going to become the quantum realm. And I would not be surprised if that's where the FF comes from. Uh, I'm okay. I don't care if it's called the microverse or the negative zone or, you know, whatever. Um, it opens up a a lot of storytelling potential, you know, to strand villains there or to have villains come from there to here. Uh, I really had, um, uh, my problem is, is, is so much of it comes at you so fast in the movie that it's empty calories. Mm-hmm. Um, I, 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 it's all beautifully rendered with the one noteworthy exception that shall not be named. Um, but, uh, yeah, I mean, it looks fantastic. I'm talking about but, the quantum realm. Now you can name the, the one that shall not be named. If you wish <laughs> I'm, to. No, I'm talking about MODOK. Yeah. Oh, okay. Yeah. It's, it's with the exception of MODOK, everything in the quantum realm looks fantastic, but it's so <laughs> overwhelming 
that it kind of becomes for me anyways, visual white noise, Mm. you know, um, when, when, when we're at the point that they've got, you know, sentient broccoli, uh, that, that one of the characters makes reference to, this isn't like the shoe in the, in the fleet, uh, in the empire strikes back. This isn't like the sneaker that they, that, that just sort of ended up there. They made a broccoli guy. <laughs> They're like, you know what we should do? We should have a broccoli guy. We should have two of them, two of them. You think, oh yes, two is better than one. Cause you know, if you love broccoli, you're going to want to see more than one. It, it, it answers every question. Like, are, are there other cruciferous life forms here? Where's the cauliflower guys? Oh, they hate the cauliflower guys. Oh, you think there's a war going on? And it just, it's just too much noise. You know, after a while, it just all blurs together and becomes um, soup. So I, as a, as a storytelling tool, yes. And Davier, you're, you're spot on. They need to explain it a little bit better and, and they need to, hopefully reed richards has some theories <laughs> you know maybe when he shows up he'll have something to, to articulate but i think i think as as a as a way to get blastar the living bomb burst in and as a way to to bring bug uh into uh some sort of thing man i i would love all of that that would be fantastic uh so um uh like like the rest of the movie it giveth and it taketh away there's some stuff i love about it and there's some stuff that i don't like about it okay and jd yeah i mostly agree with that like uh i i do have cgi fatigue um Mm. i after thor the dark world like i i i was just sitting there going like man it'd be awesome if they like shot anything on a physical location at some point again that would be so cool. Um, that said, like character design was fun. The the in universe stuff is mostly interesting. Like it's fine. Yeah, where do you stand on the broccoli cauliflower conflict? That's really what it's, I want to know. <laughs> the broccoli guy was fine. I enjoyed him. I I um, <laughs> my thing is if they're subatomic, how do they breathe? Because they're smaller than the actual particles that they need to enter their lungs. Um, <laughs> So it's we are bonding, I, we are bonding. I don't I don't know how that happens. Like they just never bother explaining that. Uh it's fine. Uh like I said, I I or I came out of it saying if William Harper Jackson is not a member of the Avengers at some point, I will be very cross. Um but outside of that, please it's fine. I don't mind it as setting goes. Um it would be cool to have literally anyone else go there, but yeah, I think there are far bigger problems, especially with like, you know, the whole idea of, oh, like Scott's now in a place that, you know, every decision he makes splits him off into different people. But then there's a Baskin Robin Scott, which there's no way that because I love the Baskin Robin. Well, I, 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 get that, that I get that it was funny, but the thing is, it's decisions he's making while he's there. So there's no way that him from the point that he got there would have. Oh gotten a baskin robbins costume you know (laughs) so that's the problem that like that's but see that's actually the one part of the quantum realm that i thought actually worked because when you're talking about quantum theory you're talking about bifurcating um you know every every uh decision makes a equal right every decision from that point forward not all the decisions he made in the past so like that's the problem with what they did there because that would have meant that scott years ago diverged 
and he showed up there. But this is every decision he's making once he got there is splitting him off into another person. And that's what doesn't make sense is for there to be a Baskin Robbins one, because that would that would assume that like that at some point after he got there, he decided I have my Baskin Robbins costume. I'm going to take off my Ant-Man costume and put on this instead, which, yeah. So anyway, I don't, I don't, I didn't, <laughs> it, it shows a poor understanding of science too, but that's a whole other, like, I think if that's I, a bigger than the oxygen problem. Cause you can always say that the field, the PIM particles generate means that when an oxygen atom comes to the field, it shrinks down and enters the field so you can breathe it. So that's easy to explain. I kind of like, want to give you guys the Harrison Ford quote <laughs> from Star Wars that yeah. he told Mark Hamill kid it ain't that kind of movie (laughs) i understand that except for the fact that when you're setting up rules the rules have to make sense to the audience and that's the whole thing of it needs to be explained better there is Uh, no rule though that's not a rule they haven't they haven't they haven't given any rules that's the 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 quantum realm might as well be called magical hoo-ha no but he specifically says in that scene every time i make a decision i'm splitting off yeah not it's not retroactive so that's my problem is he he says that what's working and it doesn't work that way so maybe there's a decision where he says oh screw this i'm gonna go back and get my job at basket no 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 I mean, I hate to agree with Nathan, but actually, he's right. He it wasn't that uh, Scott wasn't in the. I mean, he's in the quantum realm, but he was in the probability engine at right. that point. And each split was a split from that moment. Uh, you know, like turn left, turn right. It, it it wouldn't it wouldn't be there couldn't be any version of him that would split, go back up to the human to the uh, normal realm, and come back as Baskin Robbins. Ah. This bugs me because you're right, Nathan. <laughs> what is this episode? You and I are agreeing. Daddy R and JD are agreeing. Like, what's going on here? It's, it, it's what I, happens I when it. you go to the quantum realm? <laughs> yeah, yeah. Somebody crossed the freaking streams. That's what happened. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Total protonic reversal. <laughs> I think my problem was less about the actual like way it's depicted in the CGI and all that. That stuff doesn't bother me. It's that most of the characters were very throwaway like for instance like the rebel leader person like i like she was so generic they they could have just called her generic i mean like it was it was you know i liked the guy who kept asking about holes because that was weird and had a fun payoff at the end like it was weird and silly but in a way that actually worked for me um you know whereas the broccoli thing just seemed weird and silly that didn't like have any kind of point other than itself um but like, and I like the telepath guy. I thought the telepath guy was like he, like his delivery and the fact that he like hated like reading people. I was like, yeah, just, that's like how a telepath should be. It's just like I do yeah. not want to know what you're thinking. And mm-hmm. they're like, they read his mind. Like, oh god, I hate this. And I liked that too. And then the guy with the laser for a head was pretty neat too. Um, um but that's not really a character. That... that was just a neat like sort of gimmick. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Even personality, the... kind of. The guy who voiced the you know gelatinous you know blob is the same with Kurt from the from the Ant Man from the other right Ant-Man. yeah so, that's right I had heard yeah. that yep yep so there you go Ryan they they pulled somebody yeah. from one of three <laughs> <laughs> or five I, I feel like group. making it a rule that that crew should appear in every Ant Man movie does I mean because like I say the second movie cool. there was brilliant. too much of them like way yeah. too much of them in the second movie so like I'm kind of okay with them sitting this one out. Um, but uh but yeah so final question so we have the movie you know we have the ending we have scott sort of like thinking about what kang had said and kind of being like wait did i screw everything up 
And, you know, so we got kind of the the joke there at the end of the movie. Do you feel like that was like sort of a fitting way to end the movie? Or do you feel like that like kind of didn't work for you? So I think we already got your answer, JD, but you can you can just confirm. No, I would have I would have liked a different ending. Okay. Um, I, I, I would have liked that that victory to be more of a Pyrrhic victory or at least have have stakes or, or some kind of sacrifice, uh, especially if you're like temporarily defeating like your big bad that you're setting up Mm -hmm. like that that victory has to come at a at a steep cost i feel um whether that's you know trapping them in the quantum realm uh killing one of them off like you have to have some kind of uh yeah some kind of some kind of price to pay for that victory um and then it'll just be even more heartbreaking later when he comes back unscathed and is like ah your sacrifice meant nothing like <laughs> that's You're that's just how a you make him a sunshine, scary aren't you? <laughs> yeah, well, I, that's how you make him a scary villain. Mm-hmm. All right, Ryan. Um, you know the the movie began with a monologue from Scott, so mm-hmm. I, I think it's fitting that it ended with one uh, from him as well, and it began with him walking through the streets of San Francisco. So there's symmetry to it, right? Bookend, yeah. it's bookended. Um, so in that respect, for the movie that we got, yeah, it made sense, and and I do like. As best they could in that setting, they set up, you know, Scott having this doubt um, about, wait, you know, is there something more dangerous coming? Like, you know, Scott is not the most self-aware character that we've got in the MCU. Like, uh, you know, if it was Tony, he would we'd spend the next three movies about him angsting about his failures and what he how he's got to get everyone ready for the threat that is Kang that's coming. But Scott has one moment of like, huh. Should we be worried about this? And then he's just skipping along long again. Uh, and that worked um, with respect to, to his character and, and to the story. Um, I do think it sells Kang a little bit short, but we, we've kind of talked about that already. But as far as for Scott, yes, I liked I liked the whole book ending bookends of the movie. You don't think like maybe as part of like the whole arc of him and how he interacted with Cassie about him caring about things, you know, might, you know, maybe it should have ended a little bit with him caring a little bit more about what happened at the end. Well, I mean, we don't know. I mean, I'm going to assume that, yeah, now he's suddenly, you know, concerned and politically active and so forth. I mean, Mm -hmm. but I'll wait till for the Cassie Disney Plus series okay. for that. You know? I, I will say this though, because they did establish that Kang, like because he's he's killed so many of versions of the Avengers that he can't keep them straight. I still feel like they should have paid off the joke in the beginning and him saying like, you know, when he's like offering Scott to like help him, he's like, "What do you say, Spider Man?" You know, <laughs> should have been like you know, to go with the joke with the guy at the the coffee yeah. shop who like called him Spider Man. <laughs> that would have been a great gag. But anyway, uh, R, uh, what do you think? Yeah, uh, look, I like what JD said in regards to, uh, you know, let there be some real stakes. But for the movie we actually got, I actually like that ending because that was the one time in the movie experience for me where I really started tensing a little bit mm-hmm. where i felt like are they are they about to do something interesting is some are we just about to see like a kang bolt come out of nowhere and like maybe hit <laughs> janet 
or hit Hank and just disintegrate them. And Jonathan Majors comes in with like his, his pausing monotone and just says, you thought you defeated me and, or something like that. Like I, that was the one moment where I started to get very, where my ears really perked up and I was really started looking and paying attention to what's about to happen next. Oh, I so thought that I was going to be a mid credit scene or something along those lines for yeah, sure. Yeah, yeah. So, yeah. yeah see, I kept thinking Wong was going to show up like he didn't show up. He just steps into the restaurant and be like, see, but see, I, I didn't, you know. see, I hear that, but see, but see, with something like Wong shows up now, you start to laugh. And, I, and what I like about that moment is that it had real tension. Yeah. And mm-hmm. a movie that had no tension, that was the first bit of tension that I actually felt. So I, so I, I and, and I wish it would have just gone straight to black at that moment because I, I would have thought that okay, well, I had some problems, but at least that was an intriguing ending. And let's see where that takes us. So I like it for what they did. I just wish, but, but. I mean, but, but but I like it because it, it's it just represents how much was lacking in other parts of the movie. So it's kind of a it's kind of a two handed slap in a way. Okay, all right, Mark. I uh, I thought it was the absolute best use of or, or re repurposing of the Welcome Back Carter theme ever. <laughs> um, <laughs> I didn't mind the bookend ending because uh, that works. What I objected to from the get go was the notion that Scott would write a book and not go yeah. back to running. Xcon, which makes more sense to me, you know. Um, Well, they were trying to show just how detached he had become from things and how like he had become like, but like, but that was the problem. Like at the end, he should have like come on a journey with that, and he didn't. I I get that. What I'm, but you're asking me what I thought about the ending, and I'm telling you, sure. So you know, I would have liked it if we could have at least in the montage gotten them all sitting and working on, on plans together for like a security system or Louise giving a presentation to a client and Scott's kind of standing there and he's sort of helping him or whatever. I mean, I would like to see him a little bit more engaged at the end Mm -hmm. uh, because he could have still had that record scratch. Wait, did I just do something bad? You know, Mm -hmm. like we could have still had that moment but I don't know that it wouldn't have necessarily been quite as frivolous mm-hmm. and throwaway. I get the impression that they're trading Star Lord for Ant Man this mm. this next ver- iteration of things. I think the third it's it looks obvious to me. I may be wrong that the third Guardians movie is going to be a downer. And yeah. It's going to be serious. Yeah. And it's going to be a little mini you know, uh, apocalyptic ending. And I think some of the devil may care, uh, delightfully wackiness of star Lord has been sort of transferred onto, um, Paul Rudd's character in its place. I don't, I, I don't know if that works or not. I'm not sure. Um, but, um, I, I think I wanted some, some, some notion of the fact that he's changed everybody else has changed right they get his name right he has to start paying for coffee again haha <laughs> you know uh but he hadn't changed he's hmm. still doing that same bebop down the street uh so i was um that was one of the off-putting things for me okay yeah, for me, like I, I'm kind of I'm kind of the two minds about this too because part of me like thought it was funny and part of me was like you know like mm-hmm. oh like ah oh, you got to laugh but when the more I think about it the more it's one of those things of at the moment it worked in the moment right and yeah. the more that I think about it the more I'm like they could have done this so much better there's lots of different ways I mean like everything you guys are suggesting is is a different way like 
you know, it's just a- something that would have given it a little more weight at the end to to build up. I get that we get the actual Council of Kangs at the end, and believe me, I I was excited to see Ramatut and Immortus and the Scarlet mm-hmm. oh, Centurion yeah. and all of that. Oh yeah, all that was great. But but that's like <sighs> honestly, that- both both end credit scenes are good. Right, mm-hmm. but that's more like just a thing of just like, wow, look, here's the thing we're showing you. Whereas I, from a character standpoint, I wanted yeah. a little more oomph, you know, from the from the main character, from the protagonist characters uh, for the ending there. Um, it's a good joke in the moment. Mm-hmm. Um, like, it, it's a funny joke. It, it lands. Uh, it landed in my theater anyway. But uh, it's also like uh, the end of this movie and, and the tone of this movie kind of, I don't know. Uh, steers away from ending on a joke. No. Um, so I thought JD was going to bring this up when he was doing his quantum realm spiel, but I'll just bring it up to bring it up. Bill Murray was completely wasted in this movie. I don't know what they were thinking when they put him in there. And Stunt casting. Yeah, it was just, it was not I don't, good. I don't like his character. I don't like what he's there <laughs> to do with the story. Like nothing about him. Like he clearly doesn't care about being there who didn't know as soon as he shows up that he's betrayed them to Kang. Like, like that's like the, the scene doesn't need to play out because like, I knew that as soon as he showed up, that that was what was happening there. So like, yeah, I was, I, yeah. Anyone have anything to add about Bill Murray just so that we've mentioned him? Yeah. We get Bill Murray into the Marvel universe and you guys are upset about it. I mean, yeah, a bunch of ingrates. <laughs> Holy smack. You know, you know, I, I want to say if anyone should have stuck their hands into the goon to pilot the ship, should have been Bill Murray. There you go. Um, there you go. I, yeah. I mean, the bloom is off I, the rose with me for Bill Murray at this point, but that's, 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 that's beside I, the point. That's that's what I wonder. I wonder if he had more originally, if they even filmed more, but then it got cut because, you know, in the editing process, you know, everything that's going on with him. Um, so I don't know. When, when Jeff Goldblum shows up, when Benicio del Toro shows up, I I kind of feel like at that point, you know, we get who we get, and 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 that's okay. I didn't have a problem with Bill Murray. I was I was excited to see him. You know, Nick Rivers, uh, in in essentially the Star Wars cantina of the Marvel universe, uh, works for me. You know, but then again, I'm over fifty and didn't think I'd ever get this movie to begin with. So I'm just grateful for what I got. And I'm trying Bill, to Bill Murray's turn at Lando Calrissian was, I guess, okay. But I, I, I didn't even think he was all before. that good. Like and no, the stuff the he was saying like said, was not he was good. Bill Murray. Like, he, no, he clearly didn't care about being there. Right. <laughs> yes. yes. Well, I mean, That's you true. know, I mean, yeah. Well, everybody's got a boat payment. <laughs> I don't have to pat him on the back for getting it. <laughs> It feels it, 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 it felt like stunt casting. I mean, this is yeah. uh, you know, he, he he was down to do it and they had this role, so like, fine, why not? I mean, am I even they they looked at someone who, hey, who do we have that's kind of a contemporary of Michael Douglas, Michelle Pfeiffer, who we can have be Michelle Pfeiffer's ex while that she was you there that you would not expect in a million years? Yeah, and I think yeah. that's that's that, the thing is, you know. Nobody ever telegraphed that punch, you know? Uh, mm-hmm. And so the, 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 like when he shows up, it's a jaw drop. Like what the hell is Bill Murray doing? In the but see, qu- but see, here's the thing. Peter Venkman is charismatic and fun. <laughs> this yeah. guy was not charismatic and Correct. not fun. So like, that's the problem. Like, I... I don't like, like you loathe him 
but I don't think you're supposed to in the beginning, but just because he's not written well and he's not like giving any charm. He's just gross and disgusting. Yeah. Well, yeah. Like, you know, it's just like, I, oh, he, de- he definitely needed one more beat, but I'm not going to I'm not going to kick about it. I, I it's it's the the stunt casting decisions that Marvel does on occasion where they'll have like a, a one shot sometimes like Benicio del Toro. I think that one worked him as the collector was perfect i loved mm-hmm. it this bill murray one doesn't land for me because i'm knocked out of it because it's bill murray and they don't do anything more with him another one that knocked me out was glenn close leading leading xandar oh you God. know it was like yeah it was like okay and it just in that moment i'm knocked out of the movie um yeah. and yeah no great point because it, 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 i get it you know bill murray's a legend but i want if you're going to have a legend if you're going to do the stunt casting pull go the just something gold bloom route in, in ragnarok let it be something that connects to his personality and to what his image and persona yeah. is in an yep. interesting way and that's why that yeah. works so well don't just have like oh it's bill murray just not you know just doing bill murray stuff it's just i it, when, when I see my legend, I don't want to see my legend pass their prime and just kind of walking through it. Let them still do something with it. That, and I think that's what the downside was for me. No, I didn't. I, I didn't realize that anyone would because everything <laughs> I've heard unilaterally has been the Bill Murray cameo was awful and shouldn't have been in there. And so I'm actually fascinated by Mark defending it. But anyway, <laughs> I'm not. I'm not defending it so much as saying that that that's not the hill I'm choosing to die on. Okay. I'm, I'm yeah. much more. If you, if you want to pin me down as to what the problem with the movie is, uh, Bill Murray <laughs> is Murray. not on the list. <laughs> well, <laughs> fine. But, but, it yeah. had been alluded to earlier, so I felt like we should at least mention. <laughs> it but well i just you know sometimes i i think it's fashionable to to not like these movies because that's the hip thing to do and yeah and and sometimes that's low-hanging fruit and bill murray was definitely low-hanging fruit in this movie no doubt about it but i mean you know if if you're if you've got superhero fatigue that's cool i get it um but i don't know that you know i i if anybody goes to the movie and walks out of it going boy i'm disappointed in that it's the 31st marvel cinematic universe movie what are we talking about here you know it's chapter 31 of a 99 chapter odyssey that we can't even see the 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 next two years of in front of us so you know again that's a battle i'm I'm just i'm just not gonna die on that hill especially because for the for the majority of my life, I've had to defend my lifestyle choices to all sorts of people because of how stupid superheroes have looked right up until 2007. So you know, Mark, I hear that, and we all re- we all respect and connect to that. But that means mm-hmm. that we should still want it to be great. We should Definitely. still fight yeah. for it to be. Yes. We, we well, shouldn't just ex- 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 you know swallow any of it just because now we're now we've been validated. It's like I, I because we care about it is why I still want every one of them to be good, rather it's the thirty first or the 99th. That's what we want. No, that's, that's you're, want. you're right. And this and the thing about it that that I guess for me I've I've already started to. I've already started to sort of unplug some parts of me for this. You know, I'm not taking this movie as personally as I took Captain America, the first Avenger, because I was angry. You know, I walked out, I walked out of Captain America angry that it took him this long to get it right. All the guy does is throw a shield and you can't get that (laughs) onto, onto film in, in, in the, in the history of the character. I mean, granted, I was much more excited that they finally got it right. But my point is that I 
I had a personal stake in a lot of these early things, and I still have a stake in this this comic book universe such as it is. And you know, nothing has yet hit the the realm of the Inhumans TV. hanging fruit. There that's, are low that's bars. My, that's my nadir for all this. I mean, there are low and, bars, and then there are bars you put in the Mariana Trench. Like right. so. <laughs> But but I you know I so Bill I don't know if Bill you know Bill Murray worked okay for me I I I didn't really that wasn't a character that 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 I was you know more I was much more concerned about Modoc than I was Bill Murray, but it but clearly somebody thought that worked and and maybe it worked for the there may be some people in the I well I guarantee you there's people in the audience who saw this movie and had no idea who he was oh sure right? yeah. They don't know. People, they don't. Yeah. They don't know the Nick Rivers, uh, you know, context quote that I just gave from Saturday Night Live doing a, as a lounge singer singing the Star Wars song with lyrics he made up. No, nope, you know, I, and so that's my Bill Murray. So I, I look at him and I go, Nick Rivers is in the Star Wars Cantina. Awesome. I never thought I'd get that. And then and then we're done, <laughs> you know. So I, I'm not defending that he's in the movie, or I'm not defending. But, but again, I just I'm, I I don't have I don't have the bandwidth to to compartmentalize that when there's other parts of the movie that I think they could have done better, or maybe should have done better, uh, or you know made choices that I didn't understand. And I'm willing to say because they're not necessarily aiming these movies at me anymore that maybe there's people that this is connecting with. Or that will connect with it, you know, when it hits, you know, streaming or whatever, that more people can see it. I don't know. Um, all I do know is that, you know, I got what I got and what I, I found things to like about it, which is how I used to watch every superhero movie. I would look for the things to like about it rather than focus on the things that they got wrong, because my as someone who grew up watching Superman three and Superman four. I knew they were going to get stuff wrong. I had to, I had to find things to like. So I'm, I'm back in that mode now, you know, I'm back in that mindset. And as long as we never get the inhumans or, you know, uh, I'm trying to think of, you know, as long as they don't backslide into Electra or uh, <laughs> Spider-Man three uh, with Venom and Sandman, as long as we, as long as they can keep the Marvel universe, the Marvel cinematic universe, you know, moving forward with with engaging people and characters and plots, and I can at least tangentially uh, agree with it. Then, then more power to them. And 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 it's cool if if stuff doesn't. I didn't care for Ms. Marvel, but I'm not a 14 year old girl, so you know. But I, I, but I, I but I'm not going to go on YouTube and go, oh, they're they're going up in flames, folks. You know, because th those YouTubers. Uh, need to uh, I, i'd like to i'd like to donkey punch every single one of them they just <laughs> they just they couldn't get it more wrong if they were on fire i love and, i love miss marvel specifically because i am a 14 year old girl oh well there you go <laughs> right. fair enough <laughs> i i love that mark's like anything better than in humans electro spider-man 3 is okay so i'm like all right <laughs> <laughs> the Mariana Trench, I think, was the right was the right thing to say mm -hmm. there, JD. That's the bar. <laughs> I covered that. I covered that series on Level Seven Access. It was 
the worst time I've ever had podcasting. <laughs> we we caught it. We we covered the whole season in one here, and and the tagline was "We watched it, so you don't have to." That's right. So... <laughs> we we had an episode for every episode. Yeah, oh. no, I oh God, that's that's the Brutal. death of a thousand cuts, right? There. That ex- that explains why you're the way you are. <laughs> it, it really does. That show I changed mean, me. You, you, you know that if you uh, literally you've taken a 14 year old girl, made her watch this, and this is what we get. We, yeah. yeah, yeah, you, you are the current. You're you're like Modoc. <laughs> you are the Modoc. Okay. All right, all right. Let's wrap it up, guys, because we are going very long. And I see certain faces looking like they're about to fall asleep. So uh, let's say your goodbyes. Let people know where they can find us. So uh, let's start with you, Davyar. Oh yeah, yeah. Check out StratfordFestival.ca uh, and uh, come. You know, hey, come to Canada, see some shows. Yeah. <laughs> oh, and see you at DragonCon too, 2023. All right, excellent. Yeah, and JD? Uh, I am still a co-host of Level 7 Access, a Marvel Cinematic Universe podcast. We just covered this movie. Uh, come over and listen to the to us talk about it. We were slightly more positive than we were on this podcast. <laughs> All right. Paige liked it. Oh, okay. Yeah, uh, her response to it was, uh, it was an inoffensive popcorn movie. It was fine. <laughs> yeah, no, I, I get that interpretation. Um, uh, Mark? The North Texas Apocalypse Bunker.com is my blog. Uh, I have a free Substack newsletter that you can subscribe to. Uh, that is my weekly ramblings. I put movie and media reviews in there and also talk about uh, life stuff. Uh, if you got excited about the notion that I funded a Kickstarter, uh, to, to play thieves in your fantasy role-playing games, you can find my stuff over at drive through RPG, just do a search for human gorilla creations and it should all pop up there. Um, and, uh, yeah, that's me and Ryan. Okay. Well, uh, until next time internet, uh, you can obviously find me on, you know, every third uh, 42 cast, <laughs> give or take. Um, That's about right. <laughs> yeah. Uh, otherwise, feel free to te- check out geekstranger.com. It is a website that I have that exists. It is out there. And, you know, maybe I've actually been writing new material for it since 2019. It's just the font is so small and the links are so small. They're quantum sized. But if you just click around, <laughs> spend your spend hours on the website and clicking around and maybe you'll find it. <laughs> that feels like a trap yeah <laughs> jd davy r mark and ryan thank you so much for being on the show anytime thank you thanks so much and that's it for our smallest panel ever did you like our review of quantum mania do you like how we format things do you like the kinds of reviews that we do What is your feedback on the show in general we really want to know and you can do that in a variety of different ways one way is to email us at everything at 42cast.com. Another way is to go to our Facebook at facebook.com slash 42cast and leave us reviews there. You can go to 42cast.com and leave reviews or comments on any episode. You can also talk to us on either Twitter or Instagram at 42cast. You can also leave us reviews on Stitcher or Apple Podcasts. The reviews on Apple Podcasts help our show get more visibility because the more reviews we have, the more prominently we will feature in searches. So definitely would appreciate if you have an Apple account, if you haven't left a review already, that you do that. We also want to let you know about the ESO Network Patreon. That's a way that you can help all the shows on the ESO Network. 
There are different tiers that give you different perks, whether it's early episodes of some shows, exclusive episodes of some shows, or even a couple of exclusive ESO Network podcasts that you can only get through Patreon. So check that out at patreon.com slash ESO Network. Look at the tiers, and if any of those sound interesting to you, and if you have the funds to contribute, we would definitely appreciate it. Normally, I say you can find me on two other podcasts. Both of them are on hold right now, though. One is Time Streams, where my friend Juliet and I are talking about all of Doctor Who from the beginning. The other one is Legendary Forces, where Juliet and I, along with Joe, Corey, and Ashley, are going through all of Star Wars fictional media from the beginning. The plan is to relaunch both of them during the summer, but as we all know, I am not the best at getting my plans implemented, so... (laughs) Watch this space, because I will definitely announce it when we get those shows back up and running. But yes, it is definitely my goal to do that. I'm hoping we do that in a timely manner. But of course, I'm also paying attention to episode 200 of the 42 cast coming up, thinking about various plans and things to implement for that. And so that's also another big thing that over the summer, uh, I'm going to have to do some thinking about uh, and some planning for. So we will see what actually happens. In other news, Beth and I have been watching season three of Star Trek Picard. We really like it so far, and we're about halfway through. I think it is the best written of all the Picard seasons now. It could disappoint me on the back half, but with all the buzz that I've heard on Facebook being overwhelmingly positive, I don't think it's going to. So I look forward to doing that, look forward to doing the episode for that, but otherwise haven't really watched anything new. Uh, My mother visited for two weeks, and so I was watching some stuff with her, but it was stuff that I had already seen before that I was sharing with her. So definitely we'll keep you posted on what we're watching, and yeah, continue to watch this space for new topics that come up that might interest you for new stuff Beth and I are watching. So that's it for this week. Join us back next week when Michael J. Fox will not be joining us. And until then, this is Nathan, signing off. You have been listening to the 42Cast, copyright 2023. Got a question for the ultimate answer? Contact us at everything at 42cast.com. Theme music is Sharper Swords by Brandon Ellis. Check out more of his work at www.cityfires.com. The 42 Cast is a proud member of the ESO Network. This has been a broadcast of the ESO Network. Be part of the crew and help support our shows by donating to our ESO Patreon or by shopping for the Tee Public Store, which can all be found at www.esonetwork.com. The ESO Network, your station for all things geek.